Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. And Tata springs to life, springs to the top. Can he do it? Can he do it? Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. The young boy Josh Smith here, joined by Jeremy Donovan. On today's show, we will be reviewing Wrestle Kingdom 13 and New Year's Dash, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping It Strong Style is brought to you by powerslam.tv. Powerslam TV is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of wrestling from companies around the world. Shout out to Rich, Wilfred, Amy O, Mike Grindle, Imp, and Sir Sim for participating in the prediction column, and an extra shout-out to Sir Sam for getting featured on LOP. Yeah, man, Sir Sam, thanks for getting us up on uh, LOP. Uh, Lords of Pain. Expanding our our audience. Our control of the wrestling world. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man, so a little change-up this week. The young boy uh, doing the intro. I don't think I was supposed to read that shout out, was I? That's like for the end of the show. Isn't no, it? no, that was that was gonna be at the beginning. You have no idea how how like racked my nerves are right now. Like we started the show and I was like, Jeremy, let me do the intro, and he's like, okay. And the first time I did it, I screwed it up. 
Second time I did it, super nervous. I've never been nervous on this show <laughs> ever, and now I'm like, oh my god, that was that was intense. Like, ah, oh, so much like pressure to perform. Like this is crazy. No, especially since we are the ace of New Japan podcast, and this is going to be potentially our biggest episode in the history of this show as we review. Yo, we, we are on a roll right now. Like yes. our numbers are higher than they've ever been consistently. And it's all thanks to you guys, the listeners who are joining us. If you've never listened to this podcast before, um, or if you've stuck with us throughout the, you know, glorious and illustrious year that we've just had, you know, we hope you guys stick around, but we do have an incredible show prepared for you guys. Like, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what to say or what to do. Like, I'm... I'm going to say is sit back, relax, get comfortable. Oh, my God. this is going to be a long, thrilling ride as we journey from Wrestle Kingdom 13 to New Year's Dash to all the contract news to all the event news, all elite wrestling, all this stuff we're going to cover in this big jam-packed Wrestle Kingdom episode. I feel like those are the lines you start to use with the with the ladies. <laughs> like, you are an assertive man, Jeremy Donovan. Just uh. sit back, relax. <laughs> Let me do all the work. <laughs> Master worker over here. Master heater, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Uh, I, no, for real, though, I've been, like, in this Wrestle Kingdom comatose, like... We were here the other night after we got done with the show, and um, Yumi and Rich and uh, Ben Schaefer, shout out to Ben, Jimmy Flips, what up? And we normally, like, after we get done watching a show, we're like, what do, you, what do y'all want to do? We're just, like, cracking jokes. Dude, we're just, like, sitting there. Bro, we are just sitting there because, because of the shock, because of the awe, because we were trying to process what was going on. Like, a show that was five hours long? Yeah. And it seemed like it was two and a half hours long. Dude, it was done and I was like, I want more. I didn't want more because it crescendoed to this, you know, climax. Yeah. And suddenly I was worn out. And I was like... I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, at the end I was like, like the energy was sucked out of me. But like, I, if, if there was more, I would have watched more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> But it's, it's been something that has stuck with me for the past few days. Like, I've had to decompress from Wrestle Kingdom and try to process what's going on. And it's like the world keeps spinning. The, the wrestling world is moving Dude. at an accelerated pace, man. You know, um, the, the tagline for MLW is, you know, the world of MLW never stops. Well, the world of pro wrestling never stops. And it's just been a whirlwind since this weekend. Hmm. I mean, you know, we spent all day in anticipation waiting to watch Wrestle Kingdom. You know, we didn't watch it live in the morning. Oh, my God. We watched it uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So we had to avoid spoilers all day, which we all successfully did. Um, And just... I I had to turn off my notifications for everything. Like, even, like, my... All of a sudden, like... Google started sending me notifications. I never get notifications from Google. Um, luckily, all they wanted to tell me about was Hulk Hogan going to Raw. <laughs> but, but, like, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, dude, I, I, I shut off my emails. Dude, yeah, I shut everything off. Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook. MySpace. <laughs> Live Journal. You know, AIM. <laughs> 
shut it all off. Napster. But dude, my natural like instinct so many times mm-hmm. is like to open up Instagram, open up Twitter, and literally I would press the logo on those apps and the, the white would start to pop up. I'd be like, oh crap, what am I doing? And like close out of it real quick. We actually have a group chat that um, several of the social suplex uh, you know, podcasters and columnists are part of. I had to shut some of that down. But we had one that's, you know, just a couple of us and we were like all the all the people that were coming over essentially to watch the show and all throughout the day we'd be like, Bro, I almost opened up my Instagram. <laughs> like, like Rich was like I feel like an addict who's like trying to stay accountable to his like accountability right. partners. Like, man, I, I opened up Twitter again. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, need a fix. Oh. Someone give me a hit. <laughs> I'm hurting. Yeah. Like I need I need a like or something. I need I'm, a retweet. I'm sick, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I need a retweet. I'm not even on Twitter, but that's funny. Oh man, but this show, yeah, yeah. So um you yeah. know, and I just wanna say guys. I've been listening to a lot of the reviews that are out there, and I appreciate, you know, all the jobs that you guys are doing out there. Big Dave, all you guys, but this is the review that you want to hear because we're going to have the most comprehensive, thorough, in-depth, and awesome review. Yeah. Yeah. So let's waste no more time, and let's get right. This is never wasted time. (laughs) This is what people pay to see. They want to see us do the flippy-doos before we actually start doing the rest holds. Gotcha. They want (laughs) to see all the gimmicks, the smoke, and the mirrors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But yeah, let's jump into this thing, man. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13, January 4th. Start off with the pre-show gauntlet match to determine the number one contenders for the never six-man titles. Uh, we had the teams of uh, Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe against Finley, Cobb, Nagata, the best friends and Hiroki Goto, Killer Elite Squad and Minoru Suzuki, and the elite team of Marty Skrull, Hangman Page, and Yujiro Takahashi. The Bullet Club Elite. Yes, uh, Bullet Club Elite, <laughs> depending on who you ask. Um, so I, I, I defer to Harold Mai, sir. <laughs> I, de- I defer to the, the higher-ups of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, so the match started off. We had the Bullet Club Elite team facing off Finley, Cobb, and Nagata. Um, and you know, this thing was going uh, fast and furious. Yeah. Um, all the uh, Bullet Club Elite guys were, you know, trying to get their spots in. I, I think the interesting thing is, is so many people were trying to predict how this match was going to play out. And there was a graphic that, you know, New Japan had posted, but a lot of people were like, this is going to be the order. And I was like, that's not the order. Right, yeah. That, that's a, just a mismatch. Like, we don't know the order. And it turned out to be true. I was accurate because... Um, it actually had looked like maybe the Bullet Club Elite team would be the last team to come in based on the graphic, and they ended up being first. Right. Um, I was proud to say that I told you right from the get-go, I was like, Bullet Club Elite is going to be out of this thing quick. And you were like, no way. Yeah, because, dude, you, you know the rule. You see David Finley across from you. <laughs> you know, nine times out of ten, he's getting pinned and getting out of there. But uh, my, my whole reasoning was they had Jeff Cobb on their team and they seemed to be somewhat invested in Jeff Cobb. And I was like, they're going to make him look strong. Um, that didn't necessarily turn out to be true because uh, the first portion of this match turned out to be the story of Dave Finley. Yeah. So um, there was a little miscommunication with the elite team. Uh, Chase Owens had jumped up, um, tripped up uh, Finley. 
but then uh, Hangman Page accidentally took him out, and then Finley gets the roll-up pin for the elimination. Four minutes, 55 seconds, super quick. Um, they actually had a Kevin Dunn moment where they didn't catch this on tape, but from all the reports, there was shoving and shouting between um, Marty and Hangman and Chase Owens and Ujiro, kind of foreshadowing what would come you know, throughout the rest of the night and the next card. But, you know, they, they started to tease the dissension within the ranks of the Bullet Club Elite. Um, obviously, there's a lot of questions and speculation about the fates of anyone tied to AEW, anyone tied to the Bullet Club Elite. And on this first match of the, the night, uh, a team that in the past you would probably be, you know... They'd prob- potentially win. The whole thing. Maybe win it, maybe go further. Second to last. You'd expect them to get shine. I mean, Marty's a big star. They gave Hangman a lot of uh, shine this past year. Big wins in the G1. but they Ujiro's got, a mainstay. They they got him out of there quick. Now, in all fairness, they did pin Ujiro. So yeah. even even with all the speculation about their status, Ujiro's the one who gets rolled up. Right, yeah. Hangman or Skrull didn't do the J-O-B here. After that, uh, the best friends in Hiroki Goto came out, and I immediately knew that my prediction of the Chaos team taking the win was out the window for several reasons. Number one, I knew for a fact that KES and Suzuki would be the next team in because they, they're going to play cleanup. That's just how Gato likes to book these matches. They always bring in the Monster Heel team as like the, the fourth team. And... Goto decided to come out here with a freaking hoodie on. Yeah, this man came out. We got Hudo Goto. Hudo Goto? Hoodie Hoodie Goto. Uh, I like Hudo Goto. (laughs) I don't know what I was saying there. I was like blending them together. Hoodie Goto out here. Hudo Goto. (laughs) Uh, Coming out here like, like you can clearly tell this man was not motivated. Dude, he came out like... Are you freaking serious? The pre-show got me in this dusty gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he would have rather stayed back in catering. Like yeah. that's how it came off. Um, but yeah, so they 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 come out there and um, you know uh, I I was expecting to see a blow up from Chucky e. T at this point, and I was like, Jeremy called it. Jeremy was right. Like you know, best friends. They got all these issues. I expect to see a chair shot. Uh, we didn't quite get that, actually. Yeah, we had um, Chucky e. T going up top for the moonsault. That he's never, I've never seen him land it. Yeah. If he has landed it, ladies and gentlemen, prove me wrong, you know, give me the clip. I'm, maybe there's some, you know, 2007 Chikara-like tape where he <laughs> lands it. But uh, in the last two or three years, since I've been watching him in PWG, New Japan Ring of Honor, I've never seen this man land it. Yeah, so he misses it, and Finley cradles him up for three, gets his second uh, elimination for this gauntlet. He automatically becomes the most winningest wrestler in New Japan <laughs> in 2019, right off the bat. Uh, and then up next, we had um, David or um, Dave Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, and Minoru Suzuki coming out. And of course, Suzuki Gun Style attacking right away. Uh, yeah, this was this is one of the things I was proud of to predict this because it just seemed like if I was going to book this, you bring in this monster heel team and you just have them run roughshod of the guys that were running the gauntlet and they pulled no punches. They went straight for this you know weathered and tired team, Nagata and uh, you know Jeff Cobb and Dave Finley and they just they they made quick work of them basically. Yeah, KES ended up hitting the killer bomb on Finley and that team is out of there. Which brings out uh, Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe. 
At this point, dread started sitting in the pit of my stomach because I knew immediately <laughs> what the outcome was going to be. And I was like, Josh, you fool. And, uh, of course, Suzuki Gun meets these guys in the rampway and the brawl starts there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pretty much have Suzuki Gun brawling and... Um, Trading strikes. Yeah, the Yano team, they're trying to, you know, outsmart and outmaneuver these guys. Uh, and eventually it comes down to Yano getting low blows and getting the roll-up on Davy Boy Smith Jr. for the win. This match went 27 minutes, 45 seconds. The most violent perverts, Taguchi Japan, Seki Gun, whatever you want to call them, uh, Taguchi Yano and Makabe, they pick up the win. Um, good little match overall. I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, we got the T Elite's dissension. Uh, we saw Finley getting shine, picking up two pinfalls, which is, I think, a good little sign for him going into 2019. Right. And then we have these guys locked in to face uh, G.O.D. and Ishimori um, the next night at New Year's Dash. And, you know, this the, – the one thing – now, we've kind of talked about this. What did you – what were your thoughts with the fact of this, uh, you know, kind of displacing the Rambo? You know, the Rambo, don't get me wrong, it was lots of fun, but I like the idea of the gauntlet not being on the main card. I feel like in previous years when you've got that gauntlet on there, it kind of slows the pace down and kind of throws everything on because no matter how much time you have, there's a lot of guys on the gauntlet, especially a six-man gauntlet, and it just can be a lot, can be clunky depending on who's in there, yeah. and you, you just can't highlight as many people as you want to in a gauntlet. I thought that this gauntlet specifically was better than the gauntlets of years past. Yeah, this is probably one of the best never six-man gauntlets have been in a while. And and in the past, because it's been the main card, they've tried very desperately to get top stars who weren't on the main card. Ishii, Ospreys, Zack Sabres, guys like that, onto that. And it always, it felt like you know, a disservice to those guys, you know? Right. Um, not to say that anybody that was in this match was thrilled about it. <laughs> I'm sure, especially Goto and especially Suzuki. But, um, you know, I thought that this was good. The only thing I got to tell you, I love the Rambo and I miss all the crazy surprises. And I do feel like that's one of the, uh, like, spectacles, like one of the WrestleMania-esque, like, spectacles that I've come to expect out of Wrestle Kingdom that... We were kind of missing this year, which I was still a little disappointed by. Even after this was all said and done, I don't want to criticize this move too much because it makes all the business sense in the world. But man, I just I want to see these. I want to see Fujiwara and Kabuki and Scott Cheeseburger. Norton, and Cheeseburger and and Delirious and and all these different guys. I want to see that stuff, and so I was a little disappointed. Um, we have two questions here. First question comes from uh, Muzza underscore forty four on Reddit. He says, if GBH were to reform as a stable, who would you add as members? I personally could see Hanare, Ishii, Yano, and maybe a returning Oka. I love that every time Muzza asks us a question, <laughs> he answers it with, with like, and, and they're always good answers. They're the kind of good answers that makes us as hosts look like jabrones. Because it's like, well, he took the good answer, so now what do I say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I will say this, uh, post, post-match, post uh, after the New Year's Dash, um, Hanma actually was talking about, you know, Hanare having a desire to, to join GBH. Because, I mean, GBH technically exists. Right. It's, it's just two guys. Right. It's technically Hanma and Makabe. Yeah. And um, 
Hanari actually had mentioned as well that he that he should be um, part of GBH, and he was even complaining. He was like, it shouldn't have been Taguchi and and Yano. He was like, it should be me and Hanma. Like we should be the guys that were in that six man. We're the ones who should be headlining. You know, in, in the, the never six man match, you know, come New Year's Dash. So I guess he was feeling a little salty. Whereas there's a lot of guys on this card. I don't know if you saw the post uh, match comments, but like Suzuki was like, this is the greatest embarrassment of my life. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. So I didn't see Suzuki's comments. And Goto, Goto was pissed too. Goto was just like, he was like, the, the seriously, like the opener, like you got me on the pre show. Like, yeah, so. Um, to speak to Muzz's question, though, I mean, who would you put in Great Bash Eel? I mean, I, honestly, like you said, I mean, he's, he kind of got the, the top guys right there. I mean, obviously, with this kind of combination of some Chaos guys and Seki Gun, Great Bash Heel guys, you know, makes a ton of sense to have Hanare, Makabe, um, I would, Hanma. I would not put Ishii in it, though. That's yeah. my one gripe. Yeah, I wouldn't. If... If Ishii were to leave Chaos, I think I would just want him to be solo. Ooh, yeah. Like a, like a Ronin. Yeah. yeah. Just out there on his own. Um, but yeah, Oka would make sense to be in that team. I mean, you know, Great Bash Heel is... I mean, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a stable that was like the top stable from a time period where I didn't necessarily watch New Japan. I mean, I'm very familiar with their who they were and what they did, but um, I don't know. I'm not always a huge fan of bringing back old stables if it's not going to be the same right if they're not going to get a push because clearly these guys are not going to be top of the card for anything anytime soon like i don't see great bash heel reforming and then becoming the top stable right to me that almost reminds me of like the four horsemen reforming in the late 90s (laughs) yeah while the NWO existed, right, you know, they right. never became the top anything. I mean, people forget that like Dean Malenko was a horseman. They and forget Benoit, that Benoit was a horseman. Steve Mongo McMichael, you know, Paul Roma, these guys <laughs> that were four horsemen. Yeah. You know, you don't think of that. And so uh, I almost feel I almost would like want to kind of stay away from that to a degree. Yeah. Um. Unless unless the only way I could see that being like a good thing in my mind is if you use it as a way to catapult. Hanare, yeah, or a young guy, because I mean, they're not gonna push Hanma. They're not gonna push Makabe, Taguchi. So yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where fans are like, "Well, Great Bash Hill was awesome." It's like, yeah, they were awesome, but their time's kind of done. So um, then we have a question here from uh, TL Care Bear fourteen on Reddit. He said, "What will Jeff Cobb's NJPW resume read as of January 6, twenty twenty? Who will he have pins over by then?" Jeez. I, well, I will say this. Goto had mentioned um, during the press conferences that uh, he didn't get his singles match that he wanted with Jeff Cobb. And he said, right, because there was uh, travel issues during that um, those, show, those Lions Break shows they did in L.A. So he essentially said whatever it takes, he's going to get his match this year. And then Jeff Cobb had even... Um, said a similar thing and he's like you want to run it Goto like you always look at me like you want to do something do something (laughs) yeah so I do assume we're going to get some sort of mini feud even if it's a one match series between those two guys Um, right and I mean uh, we're going to be talking about it later uh, the new beginning tour Um, those guys have not been announced for Sapporo or Osaka Um, 
So I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen in Ring of Honor either, maybe for the TV I, title. I think it's going to, we, we got three U.S. New Beginning shows. I definitely think it's going to headline one of those shows. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh, yeah. By the way, guys, we got three U.S. shows, not two, <laughs> in case you didn't know. Um, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> we actually had um, heard originally that there was reports it was going to be four. It's yeah. going to be Texas, uh, L.A., Charlotte, and then um, where are they run another one? Tennessee? Yeah. Where? Oh, no, Texas is not. No, no. originally. The original reports. No, the original Atlanta was the fourth city. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. But, you know, there's this, this little thing called a Super Bowl yeah. that, that's <laughs> happening this weekend, that weekend, so. Uh, but they're running this new show in where in Tennessee? I'm sure. Yeah, in Tennessee. Where in Tennessee? Where? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I forgot. Was it Memphis? Uh, I think Nashville. Yes, it is. It's Nashville. So there will be a third, you know, show. We don't have any matches announced, but, you know, that that's one that makes sense. As far as Jeff Cobb goes, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, I could see things that seem reasonable to me. Um, some sort of six-man or tag title um, chase. I don't know if he get the actual titles, but maybe him and Elgin. Yeah. Um, that's something that's doable. Or maybe one of these six-man mashups. I could see another never open weight title shot for him sometime this year. That would make a lot of sense to me. Um, I mean, him versus Osprey, that would be amazing. I think that two things to be to be on the lookout for, hypothetically, and I'm not saying this will happen, but possibly a New Japan Cup run, maybe a G1. Like if he gets a G1, like he'll kind of get made in New Japan. Uh, we, w- with the way that the wrestling world is going right now and the contract negotiations and everything, um, it is hard to speculate on his mm. status. But with the the amount of push that's behind him in Ring of Honor, I almost wouldn't be surprised if they did push for him to get one of those two tournament runs. Right. I mean, he's pretty much been a juggernaut in Ring of Honor right now, just decimating everybody. Has that TV title. Um, I mean, I won't surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up winning the world title, has both belts, do a double title run. We also know that Ring of Honor is sending a lot, or New Japan sending a lot of talent to help Ring of Honor this time. So maybe to return the favor, they they lend them Jeff Cobb a little bit more. But um, as far as who he pins or winning any titles, I really don't know. I think just getting in the G1 would be a huge accomplishment at this point. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move on to the next match. This was the first match on uh, the regular card, the IWGP Never Openweight title match. Kota Ibushi, the champion, defending against the aerial assassin Will Ospreay. And what a hell of a way to kick off the main card of Wrestle Kingdom 13 with this match. Just, um... Breathtaking, man. This this match was incredible. Um, you speculated weeks ago that they were going to get uh, a lot of time. They gave them 18 minutes, 20 seconds, one of the longest matches on the show. And they wasted no motion. They they literally kept this thing like at a, a million miles per second yeah, the whole neck, time. Neck break pace. And I think we sounded extremely smart last week. When we said that this match would be a strong style match. Yeah. Like, yes, there would be your flips and athleticism from these guys. 
But we said last week that this would be a more strong style based matchup. It is the Never Title, the unofficial strong style belt. And these guys came out here and had a strong style match, especially Will Ospreay up the aggression um, and yeah. just was killing it. Will Ospreay came out there looking like a man renewed, just a juggernaut, someone that Abushi was a little unsure of how to deal with. Um, what I love, some of the things I loved about this match, so many callbacks to the Nakamura match from Wrestle Kingdom, um, so many spots that were callbacks to that and moments, even some of like the camera work and the angles. Um, it was very reminiscent of when Kota Ibushi stepped up to take on Nakamura. Um, but this this match, you know, of course they had aerials and of course they had big dives, but this felt like a fight. It didn't feel like a gymnastic display or an exhibition yeah. by any means. And dude, let's let's talk about the spot where Osprey gets um, Ibushi in the Tree of Woe, and they're exchanging slaps. I loved that. Dude. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge pancreas mark, and so anytime I see. Uh, a spot where maybe like two guys are in a leg lock, they start slapping each other. I just start thinking of like Frank Shamrock and Boss Rutten back in '96, and so many guys have borrowed from that. And this felt like a callback, not to that specific. I feel like that spot has permeated the world of Per Rezu to where like people are borrowing from matches they don't even realize. But <laughs> yeah, that spot where like Coda's hanging there upside down. And Osprey is kind of toying with him and just slapping him, and Kota Bushi's just defiant, and he's like, "You're not gonna slap murder Kota." <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, just gonna sit here and let you slap me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Kota Bushi starts slapping him back, but then, um, and it kind of looked like he was getting the better from him. With you know, they always say like, you know, your power comes from your legs. He basically had no legs; it's all upper body. He's mm -hmm. upside down, slapping <laughs> this man as hard as he can, and Osprey's like, "Bump that, run it." And he's like, hold this foot, hold this foot, hold this foot. He just started kicking a mud hole into Kota Bushi's face. Kota just, his nose probably was broken, his mouth, his nose bleeding everywhere. It was pretty, pretty violent. Um, it did, it, again, that's something that kind of reminded me of like the Nakamura and Kota Bushi match with the, the head kicks on the ground. Very violent stuff. Yeah, dude. Lots of slaps, lots of strikes, lots of uh, lariats. Um, great near falls. Yes, tons great of great near, near falls. falls. Um, they had me biting on a lot of them too. You know, like you mentioned, the call back to the Nakamura stuff. Uh, Bushi using the Bombay. Bomb yeah, the Bombay knee. Just great stuff here. Um, and then we go down to the finish. <clears throat> Osprey um, hits Abushi with a lariat. Um, sets up the Stormbreaker. That's countered. Abushi hits a Cradle Tombstone for a near fall. Um, Osprey comes back with kicks. He hits this devastating back elbow, which I believe he's now calling the uh, hidden blade, and uh, which I think is a, a reference to um, Assassin's Creed. Which his uh, his entrance attire was, I believe, based off Assassin's Creed as well. What did he call it before? Wasn't it like the beheader or the yeah, decapitator? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like they they whitewashed that crap. Like we like it didn't already have a name. Well, he hasn't used it in a while. He, I, the last time I remember him using it was, I'm trying to no, remember if it was against Marty Skrull. I think. Or it, it might have been against Romu. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since he's used that move. But he hit that, that back elbow. Then he gets the Stormbreaker and hits it. And he becomes the new never openweight champion. Yeah, and you know, something that was kind of interesting, and this sort of was a theme throughout the night. Um, 
you know, a lot of times with Wrestle Kingdoms and big shows, you kind of expect for matches to end in a way where both guys look strong and maybe someone gets a cradle or maybe they get their finisher, but it's like they just kind of catch the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but in a lot of these matches, and this kind of started off that tone and trend, he didn't catch him. I mean, he basically, you know, countered the Kamigoya, like you said, and then killed him with the Lariat, um, basically hit him with that spinning back elbow, had him laid out, probably could have got the one, two, three, picks him up, Stormbreaker, and then it's emphatic. Like, he literally beat him, and Coda looked like a mess. Osprey looked like a million bucks. And, yeah, the match went 18 minutes, but it sort of felt like it came out of nowhere in yeah. a way because you have an expectation of how they're going to present a Kota Ibushi and an Osprey in a big match like this. You don't expect one guy to get dominated, but that's exactly what they did here. So much so that they had to stretcher Ibushi out of the ring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ibushi gets stretchered out, and it's being reported that he was diagnosed with a concussion uh, following this match, New Japan issued a short statement um, on their Japanese website saying Ibushi had suffered a concussion during the match against Osprey. Uh, they say it's not serious, though he was stretched out after the match. Um, from what I've been hearing, um, the plan all along was for Ibushi to be stretched after the match. Um, but I am, I am hearing that the, con- the concussion could be real. And that it could have came when um, Osprey was kicking him in the tree of woe position. That's where, if it did in, in fact even occur, that's where I would have assumed. Some people thought there was a portion where, when he was going into that tree of row where he was tree of woe, where he was hanging on the top turnbuckle, and Coda like slammed his face down on the the uh, the metal post. Yeah, a lot of people thought like that that could have been it. To me, that looked worked. That didn't look like he actually smashed his head into the post, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like um, put it past Kotobushi <laughs> to like make a miscalculation, and um, you know, because he kind of leads with his face anyways. Right. I do one one thing though is like you know Chris Charlton was reporting it, and for the most part, I usually look at Chris Charlton as like someone to like believe in, but now I'm like, ah, oh, that man's on the payroll. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that man's on the payroll. I can't trust what he says anymore. He's, he's towing the company line. Um, so we, <laughs> um, I don't even know if the concussion's real, you know, it's in Japan. They're, they're not obligated to disclose injuries the way they are like in the U S right. You know, they don't, the company doesn't hold themselves to that kind of standard the way, like say at WWE does. They're not a publicly traded company. Um, so this could all be storyline. Um, the stretcher job for sure, though, was a work. I mean, yeah, they had Yoda Suji like putting. Yeah, putting. Last him. time I checked, you know, <laughs> Suji is not you know a doctor or, or uh, you know a physician or I anything. Like, I was like, why are the young boys putting him on the stretcher? Like, where's the and, unless the dojo they have this secret, you know, first no, aid, no, you know, bro. doctor class that no, they go through, bro. you know. No. Have you have you been in the dojo? You don't know. You know I've been. I told you last <laughs> week. I, I I haunt the dojo. I've lived in the dojo. I told you about the the things they made me do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, but this match was just incredible. Will Osprey defeating Kota Ibushi emphatically. Um, you know, Will Ospreay had some very interesting remarks following this, basically saying that at this point, you know, he ex- he knows everybody expects him to flip off scaffolds and to be this flippy guy. 
He's like, but that's not necessary. He's like, yeah, and that's great. He can do that. He's like, but this this uh, sport has shortened his career. It's taken years off of his life. And at this point, he's not looking to just kill himself. He's looking to cause havoc and damage to his opponents right. and shorten their careers. Yeah, he also had a tweet. He was like, you know, you, you guys told me that my style is, you know, damaging my body. So now I've changed it and I've damaged somebody else's career. Yeah, and um, he was talking about how he plans to hypothetically take because he has such a great touring schedule throughout the year. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna take this to MCW. I'm gonna take this to Rev Pro. I'm gonna take this to Ring of Honor. He's like, I'm gonna defend this on every continent. He's like, and really make this something. He's like, and he's like this. He's like, I'm going to fight the best heavyweights and the best wrestlers in the world, regardless of weight. This is an open weight title. Um, which I love that idea, yeah. and he was like, he's like, you know, will I, and then um, he even started to say, he's like, I shouldn't have to explain my actions in the context of professional wrestling. It's like, am I cheating? Did I do anything illegal? He's like, no, I use my body, I use the environment, stuff happens. He's like, Abushi is one of my idols, but my idols are now my rivals. And he's like, and if I take him out using this elbow, that's just what it is. Yeah. So, like, he's got this, like, chip on his shoulder now, like, this mean streak now that he's at heavyweight. And I'm like, yeah, I can get with this. Like, you know, it's not this baby face from this Ricky Morton who's going to be screaming all the time. And like, ah! You know, this <laughs> yeah. is someone who's coming in there to, to do damage. You know, it almost reminds me of what um, happened with the Young Bucks last year, you know. The Young Bucks received a lot of criticism that you know, oh, they're they're high spot artists, you know, they're they're spot monkeys. They don't yes. know how to, they don't know how to sell. And Ooh. what they do all 2018, sell, 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 sell. Psychology, psychology, <clears throat> psychology. Yes, they're have they're yeah. still doing their this, flips. This man, stuff. this man, Matt Jackson, has been literally selling his back <laughs> for a whole year. He's got uh, he's he's selling so so much. I'm buying it. I right. think he probably actually and now, does have and, a bad and back. And with Osprey, you know, everybody's the same thing. You know, oh, he's a flippy do guy. Doesn't know how to sell, doesn't know how to work, he's not aggressive enough, blah, 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 blah. I mean, he's been changing those perceptions for so long, but now he's upping the ante to... I've never thought at all of Will Ospreay as a vicious or violent guy, but suddenly I'm like, what would this Will Ospreay do against Marty Skrull? Yeah. What would this Will Ospreay do against a Kushida or, or you know, some of these other juniors? like Or, you know, what would, he, what would he do against a guy like Jay Lethal when he competes for him for the Ring of Honor World title? Yeah, it's like within a matter of months, ever since he had that rib injury and he's come back as a heavyweight, he's a totally different guy. And I'm like, I'm excited for 2019 uh, Will Ospreay. Now, where this leaves Ibushi... I have no idea. Right. I mean, you know. What do you think the stretcher job was for? Do you think it was to uh, write him I, off? Do you think it was to get him out of the main event? I, I don't know. I mean, I think there the, there's clearly a potential for a rematch down the line. So, yes. I mean, we, we don't know what Ibushi's, you know, future is. Ibushi's not signed to New Japan uh, contract. He's a freelancer. So, as of right now, I mean, he, he could leave New Japan today and yeah. say he's signing with AEW, WWE, wherever. Um, but personally, I think that... Tampa Bay Pro. <laughs> uh, I Dax do. could sign him. He's got money. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they had Shane Strick Strickland. True, but... He'll start, he'll start working Big Top every Sunday oh, afternoon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the crazy thing is, Kota Ibushi probably would work the Big Top and enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, we don't know what his contracts, what his, you know, what his, what his, what his plans are for the future. Um, so let's check the job. It could have been a way to write him off. You know, he could be going to all elite or it could be to set up a future match. You know, you get Osprey on a roll and then Ibushi comes back and challenges. Well, all throughout the night, we'll, we'll talk about the other decisions, but all throughout the night, you started to see a trend where guys who were, you know, questionable, you know, it did seem to affect the booking. Um, and yeah. so that that's pretty much thing. anybody that was is rumored to go to all elite or have any ties to all elite pretty much all lost. Yeah, essentially. And so that started off with Kotobushi. I I did feel somewhat foolish. Obviously, I took Kotobushi here. I think if he stays in New Japan, he's got a bright 2019 ahead of him. And I mean like we're talking like headline level run. I could definitely see him in the title picture. I don't know that they put the title on him, but I see him headlining big shows throughout the year if he does decide to stay. I just I don't know what's next for him after this and I don't I guess we'll have to see uh you know what the stretcher job was all about whether it was to hypothetically write him off, maybe it was to play defense where they're not going to write him off, but if they need to, right. you know, kind of like a television show they 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 they're not sure if they're going to get renewed, so they do a final episode that could be a last episode, right? A, cl- a cliffhanger, but maybe it's not a last episode. Like so that basically, like you know, if they don't get renewed, this the, could serve as have been a, a fitting finale. But they obviously want to do another season. Exactly. Yeah. That's what this kind of felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you rate this match? Um, I rated this match four and a half. I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, before we move on, one last question. So this was the opener. We had a lot of um, s- different opinions about this match placement. You know, some people saying that it was going to burn out the show. Some people saying that it was brilliant. It'd be the greatest opener of all time. Some people saying that they had so much hype, so much expectations. Other people saying it was going to ruin the pacing of the show. W- w- where did you land with all this once it was all said and done? So, I mean, with hindsight being twenty twenty. I would have placed this match lower on the card. Um, you mean higher? Yeah, higher on the, like later lo, later on in the night. Um, you know, I probably would have swapped this with uh, the placement of the Ishimori Kushida match, and I would have had this match kind of lead into that. Uh, you know, those three big main events. I absolutely agree. Um, I think that ultimately, as great as this match was, and and. You know, this match was really great because it was so early in the show. Instead of it burning out the card, I don't think it burned out the card. I don't think it ruined the the pace of the or the tone of the show at all. That's my opinion. Yeah, same here. But I think it gets overlooked. I think it's a little overshadowed by everything else that was at the top of the card. And it's funny how psychologically that can happen. But as the night progressed, you're kind of comparing other stuff to it. And it was one of the best matches of the show, but I do feel like with it being at the front of the show, later on when you get that final run of four matches, because it's not tied to that necessarily, you don't think of it as like Wrestle Kingdom two years ago where it was like four matches that were all bangers right in a row. Four matches. And then last year too. This year we had a lot of bangers, but they were kind of more spread out. Yeah. And so... I feel like it was more of a pacing issue. I feel like it would have been a... They should have actually... I don't think that this was an egregious call. But I think everyone who was like, they should have it further up on the card was probably right. I think it probably would have been better served being fourth from the top or third from the top, honestly. Yeah. I agree. 
Alright, so that brings us to our next matchup, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Title Match. We have the champions, Kanemaru and Desperado, defending against uh, Rapungi 3K and Bushi and Shingo Takagi. This was a quick match, only 7 minutes and 5 seconds, and... This was the Shingo show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, you know, we've gotten used to seeing what Rapongi 3K brings to the table. So they got a lot of their stuff in, you know, the double dives, you know, the double knees. Uh, you know, Yo was great, kind of like do- doing the spots where he gets thrown out of the ring and kind of rebounds. Um, you know, Kanemaru and Desperado were up to all their standard tactics, jumping before the bell and you know, just at- attacking guys using all their underhanded tactics. But when it really came down to it, you're absolutely right. It was Shingo just running roughshod over the junior division. Yeah, dude. Shingo totally dominated this match, um, killing people with pumping bombers. And just, you know, they have that rivalry with him and Show, And he was just kind of dominating Show towards the end of this match. you got to imagine that come the... Uh Best of the Super Juniors that that is going to factor into oh, the yeah. big match. Oh, yeah. They'll be in the same block. They got to be. They, uh, I, I could see that even being like a night one or maybe even like a, a, a block deciding type match potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, he, yeah. Shingo, he was positioned as the star of this match. Um, and he picked up the win here for his team. He hit the last of the dragon. It seemed like Bushi was barely even in this match. Yeah, dude. Like, Bushi, you know, did like a dive, did a suicide dive, <laughs> did, you know. He did. He did hit that uh, that um, spine buster, and I was like, "Shades of the late great Triple H." <laughs> uh, yeah, I love calling people late great, even though they're alive. Like they're not dead, and I'm like the late great Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh man! But um, um, yeah, I now I was I was very surprised at this decision. I at first I was surprised too, but. When I think back, I'm like, it makes sense. I, 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 I was surprised first because, you know, we talked about it last week in, in our in the prediction column. Me and you were kind of on the same page with, you know, the story that has been going on all year is that Rapungi 3K have been desperately trying to get their belts back. They they've been chasing. They've been chasing all year. Baby faces in pursuit. Yeah, they, they've been cheated from Suzuki, from um, Kanemaru and Desperado. They couldn't get those belts back. And they win the best of the super junior tag team tournament, and you're like, all right, the story is they're finally going to get the titles back after the years of chasing. They're going to win, and it would make it, to to us that was the story that made sense. But we got Shingo and Bushi here, and when you think back, if you go back to the super junior tag tournament and you look at how dominant Shingo was in that tournament, right, and how hard they pushed him in that tournament, and the, clearly they are, you know. Heating Shingo up. They're, they're going to do some big stuff with him this year. And so it does make sense for him to get the big win here. His first Wrestle Kingdom, um, you know. Giving him a big win on a big, big stage. stage. Yes. It makes sense, yeah. And I, the other thing, too, you got to consider if Suzuki, or I'm sorry, if Rapungi 3K regains their belts, at that point they're the dominant champions. Everyone knows they're the, the top stars in this division. But it's a thin division at this point in time. So it's kind of like where do they go from from there? Whereas if you put the titles on LIJ, yeah, it gives Shingo the big win, but also it gives motivation to the other teams. In the post-match comments, Desperado and Kanemaru essentially were saying, like, we didn't get pinned. This isn't over. And then you have uh, Rapungi 3K basically saying that they're going to restart. They're going to start from scratch. They're going to make changes. And they're coming for the titles. 
Um, all all three teams mentioned having singles, straight up tag matches, and not a three way. Yeah. Uh, and Bushi and Shingo actually said that he was relieved that they won the uh, the titles because he said that he's been so frustrated with their loss during the world tag or during the junior tag league because he expected them to win with how dominant they'd been, and so this was like vindication for them. And you know, Bushi mentioned you know that you know this kind of like was for Hiromu essentially. So. Right. Um, you know, give, and then also it gives a feel good moment for the Lij fans. So, kind of gives Kinemaru and Desperado Rapungi 3K something to chase, um, kick, kick some new blood into the junior tag division. Yeah. Um, and all three teams are already starting to talk about uh, best of the super juniors with some of the announcements that were made. So, I expect that this is not over um, going forward. We're probably yeah. we're gonna be seeing some straight up uh, singles. Like or straight up, you know, two on two tag matches coming out of this. Yeah, and this was the uh, first of many title wins here for Lij. Yeah, uh, and this uh, will bring us to our next matchup. We have the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Title match. The champion Tomohiro Ishii defending against Zack Sabre Jr. The day before, they had the uh, press conference where. They revealed that the winner of this match would be receiving um, a new version of the Rev Pro title. The Championship of the British. Yes, the Championship of the British. <laughs> um, so we had this epic rematch here. I got to tell you, I loved this match. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, they only got 12 minutes. And I think that that's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the night. A lot of these matches seemed rushed or maybe not rushed but short on time which um sounds funny to say on a five-hour show yeah but you know in in years past these um wrestle kingdom shows have been monstrosities and gone on and on and it seems like with the new management they were determined to keep it within a certain time frame right uh maybe just tighten things up so yeah um i loved this match it was everything i expected it to be um, you know, I was I was about four and a quarter on this, honestly. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, pretty much this was a shorter version of the New Orleans match that we saw last year. Yes. That we were both there live for uh, WrestleMania weekend. Um, and just Sabre just continuing to work on Ishii's arm, you know. Here, he, what you say? Here's the thing with, with those submissions. As soon as he started getting submissions on Ishii, um, you know, we're sitting there and like Rich and Ben are looking at me and I'm like, they had me invested right away because I'm literally like, come on, Ishii, you got to get to the ropes. Yeah. And they're like, there's no way this man's going to tap this quick. But I think that A, I could sense some urgency. I felt like the match was going to be short for some reason, just based on how quickly they were working. And then second of all, I've learned this year, especially with Zach, that he can end things if he really wants to. He doesn't always make that choice, but on this night, it did seem like most he wasn't he wasn't doing the Zach thing where he gets you in a, a submission hold, let's go, goes to another that, one. That's what exactly that's what I was going to mention. Um, you know, typical uh, Zach Saber Junior match, he gets you an armbar, transitions to a leg lock, and he's just you know going around and around and wrestling around in circles. He wasn't playing this night. Um, yeah, tonight there was none of that. He clearly was focusing on the arm. 
making sure Ishii couldn't hit the brain buster and Lariat was his game plan. And Ishii was doing such a fantastic... I mean, he is one of the best sellers in wrestling. People don't give him enough credit for it. And those des- when he that's what makes his matches with him and Zack Sabre so great uh, is his desperation to get to the ropes and he, he just barely always edges his way there. But for the whole night, it did feel to me like that Zack had his number. It just really felt that way. Um, they made Zack look dominant. Uh, but Tomohiro Ishii was awesome with the strikes and every time he got to his feet, it, it reminded me of an MMA fight where you got a great striker and a great ground fighter. And every time the ground fighter gets into the ground, you're like, come on, please get up, please get up. Yeah. And, but you know... In the long term, in most cases, the ground fighter is going to beat most great stand-up fighters. You know, you look like a like a Daniel Cormier. You know, people don't like him or like a uh, um, like a Khabib. You know, they get you on the ground and you're you're screwed. That, <laughs> yeah. That's their wheelhouse. And yeah. That's that's what Zach does to people. And yeah, by the t- by the time he got um, Tomohiro Ishii like to the like towards the end of this match, he got him to the ground. I think almost everyone else in the room was like. Thinking the match was going to keep going, and I knew I once I saw him get those because he used to have he used to call he had a similar finisher he used to call it the impossible lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, this new one he's got a weird name for it. Yes, it's called Hooray! Another year. Surely this one will be better than the last. The exorable match of progress will lead us all to happiness. Okay, I don't under oh yeah I don't know what that even. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it's a a song title or a lyric from a song or something. Okay, cool. If you. Awesome, good, good. Hey, ZSJ, good, good job on your super meta like, finishing move hold. But um, once he had both arms trapped, I knew Ishii was gonna quit, dude. Like, I, I knew it. I was like, no, don't stop it. No, 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 no. I don't. I think people thought it was a stop because they didn't see him tap. But I didn't think it was a stoppage. I thought he verbally submitted, is what it looked like to me. Because he was shaking his head, yes. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of '80s New Japan, and when guys tap out. Back then, they don't, they didn't know how to tap out. They would shake their head yes and mouth something, and you kind of knew it was over. And that's what I saw him doing. So let's just kind of go over this real quick. Zack Saber has now gotten a doctor stoppage on Tomohiro Ishii. He's gotten him to tap out during the G1 this year. He choked him unconscious during the World Tag League, and now he's got a verbal submission over Tomohiro Ishii. I was listening to Observer Radio, and they were saying like Ishii doesn't tap out. This dude's been beat. He's been stopped four times. Three of them were literal submission, like tap outs or submissions. Yeah. Zack Saber has dominated Ishii. Yeah, dude. Zack, you want to talk about somebody having somebody's number? Zack has Ishii's number and knows how to beat Ishii. And when Ishii beats him, it's always by the skin of his teeth. Like Ishii is barely overcoming this this geek, Zack Saber. Zack Saber <laughs> is beating him. Yeah. Um, this was yeah. I think given more time. Because in my opinion, the action, the speed, the pace, this was like as far as work rate, this is the best match I've ever seen them have. Mm-hmm. But because of the abrupt ending and some of the missed um, like drama that you get with some of their other matches, it's why it kind of cut it down a couple notches for me. Yeah. But it was on pace to be their dude, best match. Dude, this thing had like five or ten more minutes. Yeah. Dude, it, it was, it it was yeah. excellent. That Yeah. It was really, 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 really good. Um yeah, Saber Saber almost lost from a brainbuster. He countered out of it with a choke, which was pretty awesome. So, yeah. um, I I did want to see Zach leave with both belts, but they they got that silver one out of there, gave him the gold. Yeah, they gave him the new Rev Pro title, 
which he took with him. Back. I want the gold. <laughs> Give me the gold. <laughs> he took back with him to Rev Pro on this past Sunday, where he had a match with Pac, aka Neville. Um, it ended up being a title match. Um, being ended up ending a disqualification. I heard uh, it was awesome. And uh, Saber was beating down Pac post match. Yeah. Will Osprey of all people comes to make the save, and then we get a stare down between Osprey and Pac for their big Rev Pro match coming up. Zack Saber talked about defending the British title, and he basically said he doesn't care; he'll defend it anywhere. But at this point, because he's the king, he wants everyone to come to England. He's like, "You want you want a shot at this? Come to England." Come to bloody, <laughs> terrible, rainy, miserable England. Come to my island, and I will tap you out. I will like basically humble you. He's like, he's like, I've he's like I've earned this. And uh, he talked about a big show that they're doing in August, and he plans to hold the title all the way through mm. to August for this big show. So, um, well, Rev Pro WrestleMania weekend is looking like a good choice. I'm, we could potentially get the big rematch with Saber and Pac for the belt that weekend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Ishii's still going to be on that show. Um, you know, it makes sense. I, I I went with Tomohiro Ishii, but it, it became very apparent that the reason they got the belt off Suzuki was so that Ishii could drop it to Zack and so that Zack could have a more prominent role going forward in Rev Pro again as their champion. So, right. uh, And plus Sabre came out in the all-white. So Everybody that <laughs> came out in the all-white just it's a pretty good rule of thumb if they come out in all white it's a little tip of the hat like they're probably gonna win um it, you know it's that wrestlemania 12 Shawn michaels rule yeah and every time someone came out like, <laughs> i was like ah oh, crap <laughs> because at this point ladies and gentlemen if you're keeping score we're uh four matches in and i have predicted none of them correctly i was feeling like crap <laughs> Um, you know, I I got the um, the Osprey win correct and um, the pre-show Gauntlet win correct at this point. But at this point, we'd had two. We were only four matches in. We'd had two matches that were above four stars. So I was like, "Wow, this show is great." Yeah, which uh, brought us to our next matchup: the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match with the champions, Girls of Destiny, defending against the Young Bucks and the World Tag League winners, Evil and Sonata. Um, G.O.D. Uh, debuted a uh, new entrance theme and a new um, entrance gear. I like their gear. What did you think of the song? You like it? It's, it's cool. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people seem to not like the old G.O.D. theme. I, I liked it. But I liked it a lot. That old G.O. theme, I thought it bumped like super hard, but maybe like it didn't hit like... It just was at one pace. Yeah, but I do. I do like the new uh, new song. Ain't nobody realer than gorillas. To me, like I couldn't hear that well because the audio for the uh, dome, but it sounded like almost like a DMX. It did. Song. Yeah. Um, and you know, we have the debut of Good Guy Tamatanga, no longer the bad boy. Well, he uh, started. He started making allusions to that during the press conference. Right, the press conference and Twitter. He was talking about you know, New Year, New Me. The bad boy is 2018. The good guy is 2019. I'm turning over a new leaf. Yes, I'm he's a good guy. Made peace with the what culture boys. He's been make, trying to make peace with all these people. Shaking hands with everybody. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. Like I think it's a big like troll or a big rib, but I kind of don't know where it's going. But I'm kind of enjoying it. Well, some people are uh, are speculating he he's being a baby face to try and uh, promote the uh, Bullet Club uh, block party. WrestleMania weekend to get people to come to the party. Like, hey, I'm a nice guy. Come out, <laughs> come out to my, my Bullet Club block party. Uh, 
But yeah, this is hilarious, and you know, all throughout. Maybe, maybe we should go to that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, actually, we had people like shouting us out for that, huh? Yeah, because uh, the Bull Club Block Party Twitter account tweeted out, you know, they sent a tweet out for, hey, you know, vendors, if you want to come sell T-shirts and blah blah, blah you know. Hit us up, and then somebody tweeted at them like, "You guys should have a podcast row and have wrestling podcasters out there." And then the Bull Club Twitter account was like, "It's a great idea. Like, what podcast would you want to see out there?" And we had a couple people that tagged keeping. They want to see keeping it strong style podcast at the Bull Club Block Party. That's not the only WrestleMania weekend offer we've had to do. Yeah, some work. we we do have another. Um, we can't really talk about it yet. Yeah, it's, the deal's not signed yet, but but there's this little stopwatch and it's going. Tick, 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 yeah, tick, and the date is counting down <laughs> to uh, WrestleMania weekend. So yeah, so big man, big things on the horizon. Like you guys don't even know, like dude, this is gonna be a great year this is gonna be a big for, year for keeping a strong style and social suplex. But so. um, you know, we might we might have some time rest during WrestleMania. So uh, some of you listeners, if you're out there, you might want to hit up your boy Tama, hit up your boy Tanga, and. Say, yo, what's up with the Keeping It Strong Style boys? Are they going to be out there? Right. Um, Let's get that payday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Tamma was being the good guy all throughout, throughout this match. Anytime. That was the one weird thing was like you kind of expected him to at some point like pull the, the Toriano thing. Like fair play, fair play. And then he can't switch his ways. Yeah. But like he was acting like a good guy pretty much the, the whole match. match. Like he was stopping his team from cheating. Like, Jada would try and hit people with a kendo stick, and he would stop them. But it's also very... You can tell it's disingenuous, but he's still sticking with it, so... I don't really get it, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's something new. It's inter- It's hilarious. It, it's so funny. <laughs> Bro, it's so funny. Like, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Like, yeah. Um, uh, but this match was very good. I mean, Sonata was a star. Nick and Matt Jackson were stars for... For everything that I said about the terrible build for this three-way as well as the build to the other three-way and some of the gaps in logic, which I still stand by and I think they sucked, I always said that having the Young Bucks in this match was going to make the match better and that proved to be true. And I mean, Jeremy obviously emphatically thought that because he's he's willing to turn a blind eye to bad booking for these boys. <laughs> but hey, they, they, they were, I'm all about having good matches. But the Bucks, um, you know, they wanted to put on a show in what might potentially be their final uh, Tokyo Dome, and they yeah, definitely I mean, did that. And this match was another sprint. I mean, it only got uh, 10 minutes and 30 seconds, but... they. I, I liked this three-way a lot more than the other three-way. S- same here. Um, they went out here and um, did a lot of cool spots. You know, they had a Tower of Doom. You had uh, Nick Jackson doing his 450. Uh, I liked when... Um, <laughs> I liked when, I believe it was Evil... Threw, uh, he threw <laughs> he threw Tamatanga up on Tangaloa's shoulders and did a magic killer. Yeah, yeah, he made yeah he made uh, Loa help do the magic killer. Uh, uh, that popped me pretty pretty well. But um, uh, we had a uh, Tama. He countered um, the indie taker with a gun stun. Oh, that was awesome. That was tight. Um, it was kind of like a best of of some of the high spots that the Young Bucks had done with both of these teams during their respective matches throughout the calendar year. Kind of thrown in in a in a quick 10 minute match so it was it was super exciting it was really good yeah and then we get the magic killer followed by the muda moonsault by lij and like i predicted we have new champions evil and sonata 
two years in a row, World Tag League winners and IWGP Heavyweight Tag Champs. And I was literally sitting there at this point like, I'm 0-5. I never, ever mispredict <laughs> this many matches on a New Japan card. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the best predictor, but 0-5, bro? Yeah, and this And point. you know what it was? I was, like, getting cute with a lot of these. Like, I was, like, trying to, like, book the way that maybe I would book or maybe take some of the outside picks. And, like, some of these obvious picks, like Evil and Sonata... Every time that we were doing our predictions, too, during the prediction show, I was like, Evil and Sonata makes sense, but here's why I'd go G.O.D. You know, I was like, Zack Sabre makes all the sense in the world, but here's why i go Ishii. Yeah. You know, and I should have just, like, taken the layups. Like, oh, yeah, Will Ospreay, that makes all the sense in the world, 50-50, but I'm going to take Kota. Freaking idiot, Josh. <laughs> take the layup. It's Wrestle Kingdom. My oh, God. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so L.I.J., they got the belts, and once again, they pick up their second set of belts for Bro, the night. Tamatonga during the press conference was so funny. He was like, well-deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Hard oh fought. Oh, my gosh. These guys, he's like, these guys have done it. He was like, you know, I was a bad boy for all of 2018, and that didn't serve me well. I'm hoping to turn over a new leaf. I just want to stay positive. Thank you, Bucks, for everything that you've done. He's I like, know. In the, uh, <laughs> the press conference the day before, he was like, uh, you know, young Bucks, maybe one day I'll be able to be a job boy for your new promotion. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like, I just going to stay positive through all of this. <laughs> He was oh like, yeah. and then like Tangaloa was like at, in character, just like seething, and he's like, "My brother wants me to stay positive." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they did both thank the Bucks, and it seemed actually, especially Tangaloa, he's like, "No, he's like for re-, like he broke character. And he's like for real from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for everything you guys done." So, uh, that's another. Hey, Marty Skrull lost. Hangman lost. Kota Bushi lost. Now the Bucks have lost. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Which brings us to our next elite member that was in action, the IWGP US champion, Cody, taking on his rival, the flamboyant Juice Robinson. Uh, and in the pre-show, uh, or the press conference before this match, they had a little interesting promo where um, Juice was uh, kind of pleading for Brandy to stay on the outside from the bottom of his babyface heart. Please stay on the outside. Stay a arm's reach away in that red corner. Um, and Juice was like, if you, you know, get, if you interfere in the match, I'm going to have to take things into my own hands. I'm going to have to remove you from the match, Brandy. I'm not gonna be afraid to punch you in the face, <laughs> and uh, and like Cody, it was just like you what? better stay over in that red corner, Brandy. <laughs> yeah, literally threatening to, uh, you know, hit cause the, physical harm hit to the, a woman. Uh, the left hand of God on Brandy. I mean, he's like, no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm not gonna punch you, but you do need to stay out of the match. Um, which brings us to the match, and these guys, they got it was a quick eight minutes, and I gotta say, it wasn't great. <laughs> Um, you know, so Juice came out here dressed like he was having his WrestleMania moment, but not, you know, here, but like literally back in New Orleans. Dude was dressed up in purple and yellow, yeah. literally looking like he should have been at WrestleMania 30, um, which was hilarious. Obviously, you know, Cody with the Jags, and he literally was dressed like a Jag, just a guy, Jag Warriors. But, um, 
this was a match where as soon as it started, I was like, oh, their time's cut or they don't have a lot of time because they're it's going to end quick. And everyone's like, no, no, no. And I was like, dude, they're doing the Brandy stuff immediately. Yeah, like, yeah, it started all shenanigans, all the smoke and mirrors ASAP. Cody uh, faked a knee injury. Juice was cutting him off. Like, they, the juice, like, the first move Juice hit was a juice box. And I was like, oh, my God, they're they're going to the finish. Like, this yeah. is it. I mean, like, and then all, and then Cody was going for Din's fire. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> um, I thought the stuff. Okay, so like a, a couple things that need to be said. I know that people criticize Cody, and I'm not going to sit here and defend this match and say it was great or excellent or anything like that. It, it wasn't. However, um, from the reports, Cody is hurting. Oh yeah, he his knee is is blown. Nobody's really been talking about that because um, he's getting surgery after this. After you know all this stuff is done right now. Um, so yeah, he wrestled the uh, the final battle match with the injury and this match, and he's supposed to be getting surgery after that. Um, the um, he he had a much better match at final battle, obviously, um, but with this man, um, I I can't really say specifically what the issue was. I will say that the match they had two years ago was much better than this. Yeah, I mean, the the match where Cody beat him for the belt was better than this. A lot better than this, and I would. I would probably say this is the worst Cody match I've seen in New Japan. So I feel like a lot of people are going to look at this and be like, see, Cody, I told you. But I'm like, part of me is kind of like, okay, well, a couple things. They didn't have a lot of time. Right. And we've seen them have two better matches than this. Yeah. And I'm not saying they're blow away. Like, no. You know, it's not like I'm not sitting here being like Cody is a, a New Japan pro wrestling, you know, main event level caliber. Worker. Right. But we know, we know they can do better. But I think that. The guys hurt. They didn't have a lot of time, and they were pulling out all these smoke and mirrors almost immediately. Probably because this guy needs to get his knee taken care of. He probably shouldn't even been working the show. Right. I would want to say, in my opinion, hats off to Cody for coming in and doing the favor to Juice Robinson and doing business. Right. I mean, he he, he could have pulled out. Right. He could have said, "Hey, I'm too hurt. Strip me of the belt." Have Juice fight somebody else for the belt. I think that it was important to him to put Juice over because of the relationship that Juice has to Dusty and because of the connection they have there, plus the time back in NXT. I'm, you know, from what I understand, they knew one another back then. Um, I would like to say, basically, what ends up happening though is, um, you know, Brandy interferes twice. Uh, the referee throws her out. It was it was Tiger Hattori, I believe. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was, like, he didn't know how to... Like, <laughs> usually the referee does the whole big, like... Dramatic, like, you, out of here. here. And he was like, leave. <laughs> He's like, you, you, you leave. leave. <laughs> and, like, everyone's waiting for, like, the out of here. And then she's like, all right, I guess I'll just walk away. And Cody's like, no. Like, <laughs> so, so Brandy gets out of there. They, you know, they start going in into the big moves, you know, Cody looks for Din's fire, uh, he hit a crossroads, you know, he hit a disaster kick, he even hit a, he stole a pulp friction. They were trying to do every big thing they could in a very short amount of time to, like, have a dramatic match. Yeah. Uh, he even, you know, he was hitting him with the weight belt, uh, they had a jab battle, but ultimately... You know, Juice hits him with the right hand of God, pulp friction. Then he picks him up, hits him with another, pins him one, two, three, and that's pretty much it. I know for a lot of people who are fans of this product, this did not land with them. 
for most of the people in the Tokyo Dome, it did not seem that it landed with them. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and complain too much because we had a show that was excellent. And ultimately, this was Cody doing the favor to Juice when Cody wasn't, you know, in. And it's not me making. I'm not going to sit here and defend this match, say it was great. I just. I understand what it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was an eight minute match with a guy who's got a blown knee, who's already not the, the best worker in the world, kind of doing a favor. Um, I would. I prefer that they had done this. Then them pull out and juice win a vacant title against, say, Trent Beretta or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, I think it was important that Juice got this win. And I I want to say this was the first prediction that I got right the entire night. <laughs> not only that, but during our prediction column, I said specifically it's not going to be a roll-up. It's not going to be some fluky win. Cody's doing the favor. Cody's getting hit with a pulp friction, pulp friction and he's going to lose one, two, three. He's been one of, if not the one of the most protected uh, wrestlers and gaijin in all of New Japan. Very few people have pinned him clean with their finisher. So I think that it was a feel-good mo- mo- moment for Juice more so than a great match. Right. And I'm just hoping, you know, hoping that this will be the start of that Juice Robinson push that we were expecting when he won the belt the first time. Well, and based on some stuff we have in the news, I think that's the direction that they will be going. Yeah. Um, so we're moving on to the next matchup here. It's the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. We have Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori. Um, Kushida coming in as the champion. Um, he had his uh, Back to the Future entrance with the... Yo, l- that tripped me out so bad. <laughs> Dude, that mask that the, <laughs> that the kid was wearing looked so much like Kushida. People were like, oh, that awful looking mask. I'm like, what are you talking about? That mask looked real. Yeah, dude. Like, I was like, what is that? <laughs> Someone was like, uh, I think Rich was like, oh, there's Kushida. And I was like, well, what am I looking at? What? My, my brain wasn't processing it because I saw like a little body and a big head. And I was like, what the crap am I? Lo- I don't understand what yeah. I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, it was all part of Kushida's Back to the Future entrance. The How about like very, like almost nobody on Wrestle Kingdom this year had like a big like pomp and circumstances sort of like fancy fancy Wrestlemania style entrance but Kushida got his so that was you know it was cool um yeah him and Taiji Ishimori came out here and uh I mean what were your thoughts here man honestly I was um kind of disappointed by this match it it was a good match I didn't even think it was like a good uh, match I thought it was I thought it was like a standard match yeah um I, I expected more out of these guys. I mean, Kushida and Ishimori are both awesome workers, and you would think throwing those two guys in there together, you would get an awesome match. But how could you not? It's Ishimori and Kushida. But yeah. I think this match had some stuff going against it. You know, we had said that the build wasn't that great. Kind of came from out of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of hype for the match, and there was a lot of questions surrounding Kushida going into the match and his future with the company, that sort of thing. Um, and I just felt like they kind of came out here and just had uh, what I would call like a Cork and Hall road to match. Like this did not in any way, in my opinion, deserve to be in the Tokyo Dome. And I know that that is a very – that sounds like a harsh criticism. There's people who are going to sit here and be like, you know, young boy, you're, you're being a little critical. I mean it was good. Dude, it's Kushida and Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP junior title. When's the last time that you saw a three and a half star junior title match in New Japan Pro Wrestling? 
I, I can't. I would have to look back. Bro, and see. you're gonna have to go back years. It wasn't in 2018. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I don't think there was one in 2017. I don't feel like there was one in 2016. I literally think you have to go back years to find a junior title match that was this underperforming. And I can't think of one that I've seen since maybe like the two thousand, like the early 2000s. Yeah, this thing just never kicked into the next gear. I mean, it kind of started off on a slow pace, and then it just never really got to that next, you know, that next level. And yeah, they only had 11 minutes, but I would expect them with that 11 minutes to kind of maybe do a little faster pace and try to get more stuff in, you know? So here's part of it, what I think happened. Like, Ishimori is the guy they're pushing. Uh, Kushida was there to kind of do the favor, and it was kind of an extended, almost like an extended squash. They did a good job making Ishimori look dominant, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I understand that booking. There's people who have praised that booking, but I think it sucks because here's why. They've had similar style booking to matches that involved Kushida and Hiromu, and they were all freaking great. Like, Kushida didn't have to look like a million bucks for the match to be good, but it just never clicked. I don't know if I've ever seen Kushida in a big match environment have a bad match like this. I know I've never seen Ishimori do that. Um, And I know people are probably like, I saw people rating this anywhere between three and a half to four stars, that's fine. But to me, I really didn't enjoy this. I was blown. I know a lot of people were like, here's, here's why I'm blown. Because people were like, this is going to be the sleeper match of the night. People were like, this is my sleeper match of the night pick. And remember, I said during the preview, no way this is match of the night compared to all the other matches that are on the card. Right. But I also thought there's no way it does less than four stars. There's no way. Yeah, man. I, I don't know what. what it wasn't yeah. good, man. Yeah. You know, I, I give more credit. I know it sounds crazy, but I give more credit to Cody and Juice given the situation that they're in. Less time, less talent. Injury. Injuries. And they went out there and did the best that they possibly could given the circumstances. You can't tell me Kushida and Taiji Ishimori did their best or gave me the best they possibly could. People are, people are going to complain about all these other guys, you know – like a Jay White or uh, a Cody or, you know, different guys like that. Dude, let's complain about Kushida and Ishimori. How can you how can you have a bad junior title match in the Tokyo Dome with 40,000 people there? And I don't understand this. And it's not like they're throwing two bums in there. You got Taiji Ishimori and Kushida. Kushida, the ace of the junior division for the last eight years. I, I feel like more people should be outraged at this the way that I am. People are just – you know, I think a lot of people are glad that they um, – how great this card was or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some people are blaming – I think some people are like, oh, well, the the crowd got deflated because of Cody and Juice and maybe the, the crowd like affected this match. Dude, I don't think I, so. I, don't, I think Kushida and Ishimori are two guys who are more than capable of bringing a crowd back to life, having a great match. This match should never have been less than four stars. That should be the, the, the floor for them. So when they come out and have a three-and-a-half-star match, and people, people are like, oh, well, that was okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay at the Tokyo Dome. It's not okay for Wrestle Kingdom. And it's not okay for Kushida's last match in the company. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that will... Well, he's going to be on the Fantastical Mania Tour, but his last big match... Yeah, this is, like, uh, this is his last like big title match in the company for the time being... 
the writing was on the wall. We'll get to that in the news. But um, there are people who are like, oh, well, you can't make the guy look strong in, in, in losing or, you know, in leaving or whatever. Um, but I say screw that. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, you know? Right. You know? Like, Kushida is a guy that's been the literal, like, cornerstone and, you know, foundation of this entire division for years and years and years. He's one of the most underrated and, and talented guys in in all of the company and uh, in all of wrestling. And then this happens. And I don't know if it was the way the match was booked. I don't know if it was right, the like, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but yeah. it just was not good. And it, it really bothers me. It really bothers me. Yeah, I don't know like if... I don't know if they have agents in New Japan or if who put the match together or what the case was, but it just didn't click. And Ishimori's got a bum ankle. Why isn't Kushida attacking the ankle? That like that's something that bothered me the entire match. It's like the guy came out on a cane and was attacking and was you know faking his ankle injury, but clearly it was a real thing. Why didn't Kushida, who's one of the best submission guys in the junior division, attack the ankle at any point in time? Instead, he's like working for the hoverboard lock. The story just never clicked. Ishimori just ran roughshod over him. I've seen them do the same story with Hiromu, and it was a million times better. So I'm just pissed about this match. Like, I'm actually, like, literally pissed about this match. I, I could tell. I wasn't expecting this, like, rant about this match. I don't know why people aren't more mad about it. Like, okay, here's another thing to be pissed about, okay? For years now, we've been used to having this big super card for Wrestle Kingdom, right? And mm -hmm. we, we talk about – when we look back at those cards, we go, oh, man – that four-match run at the end of Wrestle Kingdom, like, puts it in legendary status. Yeah. They tried to do that with Kushida and Ishimori. They were fourth from the top. This is where Osprey and, and Ibushi should have been. Yeah. Based, you know, with hindsight being 2020 and based on how both those matches went. Or, or, I, what, if, or what if Ibushi and, and uh, Ishi, or what if Ibushi and Cody, or I'm sorry, Ibushi and, um, Osprey. Osprey had been after this, so then you got Kushida Ishimori, then Abushi Osprey, then Okada JY, and then the the top two main events. You'd be like, my God, that five card run is incredible. But it's got to start with these guys, and so now we're gonna look back and we're gonna be like, oh yeah, that part in the middle with Cody and Juice. Oh yeah, that part in the middle with Kushida and Ishimori, where where they kind of crapped the bed and they didn't deliver. I I have no patience or sympathy. For guys that are capable of giving us a classic and then they give us a dusty, dusty old Corican <laughs> Hall gentleman's three-star match. Like, I people people want to crap all day about Cody and, and Juice and we knew what we were getting there. But no one's saying crap about Kushida and Ishimori. And, like, I, I, I'm so pissed about this because this was something that I was very excited about and it, it really under-delivered. And we're not going to get a chance to see this again. We'll never see it again. Like, this was... Like, when were these guys ever going to wrestle? Like, they, they haven't wrestled all year. This, Bro, I thought this was going to be the best of the Super Junior Finals this year. Yeah. Kind of glad it wasn't. <laughs> I thought that this was going to be the match. The other thing, too, is, like, anyone who um who thinks, like, oh, this was really good booking. It catapults Ishimori. No, it doesn't. He looks like crap. Yeah, I mean. He doesn't look like anything. Yeah. He doesn't. Bro. This did not do for him what, what, what they did for Hiromu two years ago. I mean, his his best of the Super Junior run made him look stronger than this. Yes. Yes. And then now he's been cooled down just due to inactivity, due to non-presence. They bring him back, build him up, and then the match isn't that good. 
It's it's literally we're not gonna remember this a year from now. No one's gonna be ever talk about this match ever again. It's gonna be forgotten. Yeah. Well, and so how, when did Ishimori get the belt again? So, so everyone's like, you know, oh well, Kushida's leaving, so they had to tell a story where Ishimori looks strong. Well, the way you do that is both guys got to look strong. Yeah. They both got to look strong to a certain degree, and like he did, neither guy benefits from this. Kushida's leaving. Ishimori's here. He looks like a like a guy who just has the belt. The best guy in the division went up to to neverweight. He looked like uh, Marty Skrull's gone. The 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 division looks like it's in shambles right now. And I'm waiting for Shingo to come freaking pummel him at this point. <laughs> and this is and Ishimori's a guy that we've praised all year long. So it's not like I'm throwing the the you know I'm I'm like throwing him away. Yeah. But I feel like this was your big moment to really establish this guy. Yeah, this is the new face of the junior division. This is a guy that's going to lead our He junior, doesn't feel like it. Right. This is a guy this is supposed to be the guy that's going to lead our junior division in 2019 um and that's not what they did. You just you cannot do this in the Tokyo Dome. You just can't. Like when you want to when you want to have us bro, they're they're going to Ria Goku for the best of Super Junior Finals. And I'm sure that they're going to have something big there, but like for the type of the ambitions that New Japan has in 2019, your top juniors cannot do this in the Tokyo Dome. And I'm surprised no one else is freaking out like this. Yeah. This sucked. I remember sitting there being like, this sucks. I don't want to say if it sucked, but it definitely was disappointing. I, th- I thought them having a three and a half star match sucked. I I really didn't expect that from them, so that's all I gotta say about it. And I, I yeah, um, and we have a message or a question from um, Reddit user Arrogant Dan: Who should Ishimori's first defense be against? Well, we already know whose first defense is gonna be against. Yeah, we do. Um, it's gonna be against Taguchi on the, one of the new beginning shows, which we'll talk about more in the news. Um, which, in a way, if he came off looking really, really, really strong. And then they put him up against, you know, this stalwart in the junior division in Taguchi. Someone who, when necessary, can have a great match. I mean, they're, they're what they're doing right now, I don't know if you guys are paying attention. They're literally taking the story arc that Hiromu was on two years ago and just doing the same thing. He's probably going to go on a six-month run to the best super juniors and run roughshod over the division. The only difference was Hiromu had... Ricochet and Hiromu had Will Ospreay. Well, he had all these guys that he could go through back then, and I'm kind of wondering who they're even going to put him up against. But if you remember back then, it all kind of started with Taguchi two years ago, and that's what they're doing here. The only difference was Hiromu looked like a killer. He looked like a Brock Lesnar, and they literally just kind of lowered Ishimori in my eyes, and now I'm like the Taguchi match doesn't sound appealing to me and it doesn't sound like this uh I don't know. I I'm I'm disappointed. I'm I'm just disappointed because I want more for Kushida. I want more for Ishimori. I was and I want more for the fans. I was disappointed by this. Alright, so that brings us to the next <sighs> matchup. Uh Kazuchika Okada versus Switchblade Jay White and the epic moment here at the beginning of this match Okada's entrance. <laughs> we hear the music. We don't hear the, the you know the records. The records. We thought crash. it was coming. We thought it was coming. We're sitting there. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. We're like all like our ears are like turned towards the television, and then like it didn't, and we were like, oh my god! 
Bro, oh my god. And then god. he comes out and he's wearing, you know, the Raymaker jacket. The Okada Bucks are flying all over the place. Bro, his jacket was so raw. He had the freaking sting tassels. Yeah. He looked like a freaking wrestling god. And dude. then he was wearing like this, like, uh, how would you describe like a. Like a tribal dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a skirt or something. Yeah, like, or like a sumo kind of skirt gimmick thing. And so, like, you weren't quite sure if he was wearing the long boys or if he was wearing the shorts. Bro, bro, he came out with the gold with the golden hair. He came out with the Okada bucks. He came out doing the Rainmaker pose. Like, he was the Rainmaker. Yeah. And then I saw, when he was getting in the ring, I saw knee pads. And I was like, oh, my God, I saw knee pads. But I couldn't be sure if my eyes were playing tricks on me. And I was like, I was like, I was like, shorts, shorts, <laughs> shorts. And, like, but then, like. Because of the way that the, the like, tribal skirt was, it kind of was misleading and it made you think that, well, no, those are pants. You really couldn't tell. And I was just like, what? Are, I was like, oh, my God, if it's shorts, I'm going to freak out. Oh, my God, if it's shorts, I'm going to freak out. And he pulls them off and they were the shorts. And this man, young boy, lost his <laughs> damn mind, started flipping cups over, <laughs> running around the damn apartment. <laughs> Bro, that's one of the hardest like moments like mark out moments for me like the uh, the the only other time i can remember in recent years marking out that hard was when aj styles came out for the royal rumble yeah bro uh, that night that I that that was yeah i marked out pretty hard for aj bro i was in new jersey watching that with my roommates too and they're like why are we watching this <laughs> and when aj styles came out i was literally like i jumped up on the couch and i was like oh my god oh my god <laughs> like Someone should have done a react, like posted it on. Yeah, I wish I would have recorded you when Okada came out, bro. I didn't know, like we didn't know, bro. Yeah. I freaked out, like I know the fan, like I we got a lot of tweets from. people. Yeah, there were a lot of people that are like, yo, the young boy like loses mind <laughs> when <laughs> Okada came out. We were sitting there and I like flipped over the cups and you guys were like, why'd you do that? <laughs> and I was like, I told the listeners I was gonna break stuff, like I've got I gotta do something, <laughs> bro. And here's the here's the thing, for like the first half of this match, I was in awe of the fact that he was still wearing the shorts and had golden hair. That it was really hard for me to like determine how good the match even was. I was freaking out about Rainmaker coming back. Like, I'm still freaking out right now. Like, also, let's uh, let's not skip over the fact that Jay White came out in, in the all white. White. And he looked. He looked hard with the all white. No, the, and the white was hard. With, I, with the red, uh, you know, with the red slashes. Oh, I thought those were like Wolverine claws. Or Wolverine, whatever they were. I thought they were the normal, like his switchblade. No, you, you get what I said. They're Wolverine claws. No, I'm, I'm missing what you're. Like Benoit. Oh, like the rabbit. Oh, like the Benoit. <laughs> it was Jericho's tights kind of looked like Benoit's tights. We'll get to that uh, match. A little know. bit. But um, no, when Jay White came out in all white, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I was like, no, this man literally is coming out. We were actually speculating. I was like, you think he's going to have new attire, like, for the dome? I was yeah. like, I bet you, like, maybe he comes out in all gray. And, like, I think Rich was like, what if he comes out in all white? And then he did. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but then Rainmaker came out. And I was yeah. like, what? And Ghetto's, like, face expression was perfect. Bro. Ghetto looked like. Ghetto's face. He was, like, shook and, like, pissed off at the same time. <laughs> His face was amazing, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, bro, I, like, th this was, for me, the best entrance sequence between any two guys. Both guys looked like stars. 
I know that there's people who, who are saying like Jay White, no charisma, no uh, character, some crap like that. I don't know what they're talking about. Jay White looked like a freaking star when he came out there. Um, it is hard to even come off that way when you've got Okada coming out with all the pageantry. But when Okada came out, bro, I was like, forget Kenny Omega. Forget Tanahashi. Give this man his belt back. Like, I'm ready for this Okada title run. Like, I'm ready for Okada to have... Bro, he needs the IWGP title. Like, it, it's his. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Well, it seems like he's going to have a, a little road to get to that, <laughs> that, that belt uh, based off this matchup here. Why? He didn't win? <laughs> <laughs> he's the Rainmaker. I don't understand. Yeah. And honestly, you know, with him coming back as a Rainmaker, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Like, he's, you know, he's, you know, crazy balloon man Okada all year. Wasn't able to beat Jay White in that version. Goes back to the Rainmaker. This is what he needs to beat Jay White. Um, but that wasn't the case here. So yeah, let's talk about this match, man. Yeah, so they have a you know a back and forth matchup here. Um, clearly, Okada he's back on like Rainmaker a hundred percent. He's hitting the beautiful drop kicks. Um, he's doing the Rainmaker pose. The zoom out happens. It's just funny how much of a wrestling genius this man is. This man was purposely having less than great matches during the G1 because the story and the booking of his character called for it. And so people were like, I don't know about Okada. He didn't have the best 2018. I, I think he's losing it. And the thing is, is like he's in control of, you know, most wrestlers out there don't know how to have a good match, much less, much less make themselves have a less than good match. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. On purpose. Like, I'm going to tone it down on purpose and make myself have a bad match because psychology. <laughs> like, that's how good Okada is. And you could tell that Okada was in full mode here. He came in doing, bro, the, the drop kicks, the freaking dive over the guardrail. The, uh, the top rope elbow. Oh, my God. That top rope elbow was so beautiful. I was just, yeah, hitting Germans and Uranagis, like... Uh, the Tombstone. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, he was pulling out all of his stuff. I loved it. I was so, 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 so happy to see him return. Um, you know, but, you know, and Jay White was pulling out some great stuff. Um, Jay White looked really dude, good his in this match. freaking Cobra Clutch, Cobra, Cobra Clutch uh, suplex yeah. is freaking amazing. He did dump Okada on his head with one of those, and I was kind of concerned... Uh, but yeah, Gato was a little bit involved, but not as much as you would think. Yeah, uh, he um, he did try to attack Okada on the floor, and he paid for it. Yeah, he tried to trip him one time, and then towards the end, he tried to uh, get the the steel chair involved and kind of distract the referee. But overall, this was not a match that was full of the Jay White right. stuff from um, like from like the uh, from like the G one, you know. Yeah, uh, we even saw uh, Jay White pull out his old finisher, the Kiwi Crusher. Uh, that was a, great, that was a great near fall. And then, dude, the ending sequence of this match was freaking awesome. So, Jay White goes for a Blade Runner, gets countered into a tombstone by Okada, which is just awesome. They start trading strikes and kicks. White counters the drop kick once, but Okada gets it the second time. White countered the Rainmaker. The Blade Runner got countered, but Okada hits the spinning Rainmaker. Uh, he picks him up and goes for another full-on Rainmaker. And White just catches it, counters it into the Blade Runner, and pins Kazushika Okada in the Tokyo Dome. With one Blade Runner. Bro. In 14 minutes and 30 seconds. 
Bro. First off, I haven't seen like I I forgot how how much I loved these ending sequences that Okada does in his matches. Nobody in the history of wrestling, and I mean this, nobody in the history history of wrestling has ever been able to put together such great finishing sequences. It's the thing that Okada excels at. He hasn't been doing it almost all year. Even in his fantastic series with Tanahashi, and even in some of his other better ma- like all, all, even with some of his uh, um, like final title defenses, like with Sonata and guys like that, he wasn't doing this sort of thing. The only time we really saw it this year was I don't even think we saw it in the Kenny Omega match. If I'm being honest with myself, it's been a while. It feels like since we've seen this, maybe since Wrestle Kingdom last year. But he he pulled one of those out with Jay White, and it was electric, and it was just back and forth, and you're like, oh my god, what is it's so yeah. fast. But then when when he dude when he caught Okada, I literally like stood up and I was like, oh my god, he beat Okada. And Rich was like, no, no. <laughs> and this man one, two, three. three. We lost. We, dude, we I was shock. I was in complete shock. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that Jay White was going to pin Okada in the Tokyo Dome. I did. I didn't predict it, but I did think this was a very real possibility. That was also with me supposing that Tanahashi might win in the main event. Based on booking, it seemed like plus with all these Gaijin leaving and him being the de facto number one Gaijin, they needed to establish him. This fear, remember how fearful I was? You were, yes. Was that just last week? Yeah. Man, so much. It seems like that was a year ago. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, bro. I was very, 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 very nervous. I think the main reason that you and I, well, the two reasons we pretty much landed on Okada was he doesn't lose in the Tokyo Dome. And Jay White looked so dominant in the build. They gave him everything. Right. So you would think it was time for Okada to get his comeuppance. So that was not the case. And also... I never thought... Now, I did think White might beat him, but I never thought White would beat him clean. I thought it was going to be shenanigans. I thought it was going to be, you know, some sort of tomfoolery. Instead, he caught Okada, laid him out. One, two, three. Um, you know, this was incredible, man. There's there's a lot of stuff I want to say about this. I mean, what do you... What do you th- I mean, he beat... He didn't just beat Okada. He beat the Rainmaker. Bro. Yeah, dude. This was a a, a bold move in uh, my book. And But, hey, you you know, we don't know the future of Kenny Omega. You don't have the Young Bucks, Cody, Skrull, Hangman Page next year. This, or this coming up year. You got to establish heels. So, you got to establish heels. You got to establish top gaijins. And, Jay White uh, is the top heel in the company. Um He's been on that trajectory for uh, a while now. Um, I would say that this was the best built match of the entire Wrestle Kingdom card. Um, It was one of the most anticipated. In fact, I thought it was more anticipated than the co-main event, which we're about to talk about. And they built to it for a year. I want to say, in my opinion, and there are people who are going to disagree with me. We got friends that disagree with me. The character work... The storyline, it has paid off. Jay White is a star. And Okada made him look like a freaking star. How much stronger could the guy who beat 
everyone's beloved Naito the year before, you know, who just had the most legendary title run in New Japan Pro Wrestling history, makes his big triumphant return, puts on the gimmick, bleach blondes the hair, puts on the freaking shorts, and then gets laid out one, two, three by this man. How much stronger can he put this man over? Yeah, I mean, I definitely will agree with you. The the push of Jay White is working. They've got him over as a mega heel. The crowds boo him like crazy every time he comes out. He's cutting great promos and all the backstage stuff and on the press conferences. I, I have made it a declaration this year. I'm going to watch as much of the post-match conferences as I can. One thing that helps with that, because they are long, I'm not going to lie. YouTube, though, lets you speed uh, stories up, mm. especially since a lot of it's in Japanese and you're reading anyways. I just put it on like 1.75 speed, and I'm like, oh, I'll just breeze through these stories. So it's 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 really good. But Jay White is maybe the best promo in New Japan Pro Wrestling right now. It, maybe not the best, but he's top three. Well, out of the English speakers. I mean. Out of the English speakers, he might be the best. And, yeah, when he came back after this match and he was, like, talking about basically – well, he came back and him and Gato were there and he was, like, applaud, applaud. And, like, <laughs> they made all the reporters, like, applaud him. And he's, like, he's like you don't want to applaud me beating your Okada, beating your golden god? And I was, like, oh, my god, this man's awesome. <laughs> and then he, he started talking about Okada's history in the Tokyo Dome and all the dudes he's beaten and all the dudes that have beaten him. He's, like, how long did those matches take? You know, he's like, how many times has this dude ever lost? A and B, when he did lose, how many finishers did these guys have to use? How much? How long did it take? How many epic, long wars did this guy go go through? He's like, I beat him in 14 minutes, and it was easy. I hit him with one. Uh, what's his move called? The Blade Runner. One Blade Runner, and he was out of there. He's like, this man can dye his hair, put on his cool, fancy little shorts. It doesn't matter. He's still the same guy, and I still beat him. I told him I was better than him, and I still am. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Bro, Jay White is the, is the most compelling character in New Japan pro wrestling. Right. Now, I think the, the issue that people have with Jay White is the match quality. Uh, they are concerned about the future of New Japan main events with Jay White, who historically has not had... You know, 4.75 to 5 star match classics in his main events. I've never seen him have a, a 4.75 star match or higher. I'll, I'll, that's true. I've never seen it, so I'm not going to sit here and say, well, that match he had with Will Ospreay in Ring of Honor before the Switchblade was pretty close to that. So I should probably take that back. But since but, this run. But as, but as Switchblade Jay White and this new character, the new moveset. We have not gotten to that level. This is probably one of his best matches of the day. It was definitely way better than the Tanahashi match last year in the Dome. This was this was <clears throat> much better than his Tanahashi match in the Dome. Yeah. To me, up to this point, I thought this was... I don't know. Am I crazy for thinking that this was as good or maybe better than Osprey and Ibushi? I don't know, man. Um, Osprey and Ibushi was... I would have to rewatch them both, so maybe like in a vacuum, but at the time it felt that way. I'm not saying it is, but yeah. at the time it felt that way. Yeah. Because the story and the build and the crowd was so into this, like <laughs> they, it was so hot. And then the shock, like 
this is something that I like am really going to remember. Um, the thing with White Man is like, you know, I understand he is not up to this point considered the best worker in New Japan. I'll also say that a lot of guys, like for instance, Kenny Omega, before Kenny Omega got his singles heavyweight run, he was not having blowaway matches in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He was wrestling as a heel. Everyone knew he was very talented. Just like everyone says that Jay White is very talented, and people would say about Kenny Omega, wait till wait till you see what he can actually do. And even in the beginning of his run, yeah, he, he would have a great match here or there, but he was also having a lot of what I would call mediocre matches. Until his G1 in 2016, it wasn't like Kenny Omega was the best bout machine that everyone acts like he was. His matches had a lot of shenanigans. There was a lot of crap. A lot of bullet club interference. Um, and, and I'm not saying Jay White is Kenny Omega. There's only one Kenny Omega, but I'm just saying, what has Jay White given us this year? He gave us the, yeah, like the, the um, Tanahashi match in the Dome wasn't great, but it also was a good match. It wasn't great and it didn't live up to everything else, but it was a good match. But after that, I would say he didn't have like he's had very good matches the rest of the year. The match with Omega was still very good. The match he had with Hangman Page was very good. The matches he had with Dave Finley and Corkin twice mm-hmm. were both very very good. The match he had with Juice was probably up to this point one his, of his best matches. Yeah, his four and a half for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you know as much as people crap on his G one, it wasn't like he was having like awful G one matches. He wasn't. I, the match with Suzuki was good. The match with Elgin was good. The match with uh, Okada was good. Like, this man has had good matches all yeah. throughout the but year. But I think the issue is, like, people are, with him being positioned as one of the top, you know, four now, top six, however you want to count it, he, yes, he has good matches, but people are looking for it excellent they're looking for incredible they're looking for phenomenal and we have not seen him hit that level yet well what do you think about this people that are saying that this match was like four or four and a quarter you think that they're right because i don't i think this was at i think uh, this match had to be four and a half I, at least. I, i'm in the in the kind of the four and a quarter um okay area which four and a quarter is still a very good match um and you know I could be persuaded to go four and a half. I'm honestly kind of in the middle, but I'm more, I'm more towards four and a quarter. I do want to rewatch it. So now that the uh, the markdom for the shorts has worn off. <laughs> yeah. But, but I will say, Okada, all his great matches are over 30 minutes. Yeah. Anyone who acts like his, his great matches aren't really, really long, uh, they're kind of missing something here. I don't well, think he's I, ever had a match that was this short, that was this great, ever. Well, I think that's part part of the problem. It's Russell Kingdom. You're in the Tokyo Dome. It's Kazuchika Okada. You're expecting a 30-minute classic, and we didn't get that here. I thought that the story here was really good. I thought the match was really good. I think this is one of the most talked-about things coming off the card entirely. So I'll, I'll say this. If if I were to go four and a half on this, then I would go higher on Osprey Bushi. I would go 4.75 on Osprey Bushi. Okay. Yeah, so you liked it that much. See, I would I would think even if I liked Osprey and Ibushi better, I would still give them the same rating, personally. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's I thought that this match was really, really good. I, I think it's one of the best sub-15-minute matches I've seen. 
Like people, you know what I mean? Like yeah. people are acting just, I don't know how you could possibly be disappointed with the 14 minute match being this good. Um, and I get it. You know, you want to see a five star match with, with Okada. That's not the story that they were telling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't blame Jay White. I don't blame Okada. I think this is the story that they were booked to tell with the time that they were given. And that's all it is. I am excited for both of these guys coming out of this match. Where where I felt disappointed with Ishimori and Kushida coming out of that match, I am very excited with the trajectory of Jay White. I'm very excited about the trajectory of Okada. I think that they've got a lot of story that they can build off this in, in the coming year coming out off this match. I love this match. I thought it was great. I mean, it definitely was a very good match. Um, I did not leave the match disappointed. Um, would I have would I have loved to seen a thirty minute Okada match? Yes, but for what we we're giving, I thought it was very good. I think it sets up great things for Jay White. Um, it kind of builds in a redemption story that we'll have to see play out with Okada this year. Here, here's another thing, and I just want to say this about Jay White. I don't see how if you watched this match and you saw Jay White that anyone would think that this was some sort of carry job. This was no carry job. Was o- Okada was Okada. He was as excellent as he always is, but they both had the same match. I didn't there's no way I saw this and thought Jay White really dragged mm-hmm. Okada down. I didn't see that at all. I th- the only thing I could say is kind of like what you're saying, give these guys 15 more minutes. Do I think they could have hit the 5-star mark? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Do I think Jay White Based on, I know Jay White hasn't had that type of match yet, but watching this, was there anything in this match that th- that told me this guy don't got it? He can't hit that level. There's nothing in this match that made me feel like Jay White is is just a guy or just on a certain level and he can't reach that higher level. I mean, do you, what do you think? No, I, I agree. I definitely think if they had more time, this match had 15 more minutes. I do think it would have gotten a higher star rating in people's ten, eyes 10 minutes yeah eight minutes i mean they, they didn't need that much i mean they were they had a really good match yeah. so that's the thing i i feel like the other thing too is i feel like a lot of people who are down on jay white and they're only looking at match quality that's fine i get it it's new japan it's sports centric but if you're paying attention to the stories you're paying attention to his character work his promos he is the best character right now in the company Maybe save for like say Hiromu or something like that. Mm-hmm. That counts, and it, it's, for so many people, and it's it, been the most intriguing story to follow all year. For for other companies, everyone weighs that so heavily when they talk about their wrestler of the year and their top stars and the guys they like. You know, in WWE, mm-hmm. that really really matters. Then people tune in and watch Jay White. They watch it cat or they watch New Japan casually. And they don't take that sort of stuff into consideration and they act like it's not as important. Or actually, they act like it's not important at all because they're like, oh, well, he's not giving me these classics because they only want to watch New Japan for the big matches. Mm -hmm. But for those of us who are watching the Road 2 shows, those of us who are watching every tour, Jay White is compelling. And he's, he's a necessary, you know, character. Is he the greatest worker in the entire company? No. Is Juice Robinson? No. But we love him. Consistency. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, basically. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And, and also, like, every time I see him, he gets better. That's the yeah. other thing. All year, all he's done is improve. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's a lot of doom and gloom about, you know, what is the main event 
picture going to look like in 2019 um, with possibly no Kenny Omega um, and, you, you know, some of these guys kind of missing or whatever. It's like we still have Hiroshi Tanahashi still there. Naito is still there. Tomohiro Ishii is still there. Zack Sabre Jr. is still there. Hiroki Goto is still there. Nara Suzuki is, is still, still there. there. Like, there are... Also, this company's freaking incredible. At People are acting like, oh, yeah, if this guy main events, you know, Madison Square Garden, or if this guy main events, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, people said that about Kenny Omega. People have said that about other guys. Zack Sabre. This company is incredible at making stars and building them up and making them viable draws and top talent. And I can almost guarantee you, I don't I'm not saying it's like he's gonna headline Madison Square Garden, but I bet you any this is not Ring of Honor. This is not WWE. If they want him to do that, they will build him up to a point where it is so compelling that you'll be stoked to watch that match and you'll pay them and you'll thank them for it. Yeah. I guarantee you. All right. Uh, we had a question from Reddit user Maserati. said, did you guys lose your minds like I did when the old Okada came back? I didn't even care that he lost. Um, that that fake video um, that Bad Luck Fale tweeted out yeah. where the pants came off. What was that? That's from like some football game? Yeah, They're some like, like, yeah, some... Literally, World. literally, that crowd. If you guys saw that video where the crowd loses their mind, that was me. Like, I lost. I don't. I, I actually don't know if you guys lost your minds or not because I was in my own world. I was running around this apartment like a madman, freaking. Like, yeah, out. that that is not a joke. Like, young boy was literally running around. <laughs> he literally did like flip over like a package of. Uh, plastic cups i was i was actually nervous i was gonna like because we've got a tv stand i was nervous that the tv was gonna like fall off the stand i was freaking out yeah uh i don't know what you guys did i literally don't know how how much you guys marked out i mean i was excited but i don't i wasn't you know <laughs> running around you look like the freaking ultimate warrior in here <laughs> yeah <laughs> bro like i feel like all's right in the world like i had to i had to literally sit here and bury those freaking pants for a year and now i i don't have to talk about them again they're gone they're out of my life yeah uh uh maserati also asked is jay white finally going to get his win over tanahashi become champion and then lose it to okada to redeem okada that's one trajectory that i definitely see possibly happening yeah i mean we definitely there has to be some kind of redemption for Okada this year, so that that could be the situation. Maybe Okada wins the G one in order to get the title back. Um, there's a lot of different ways it can go with it. That's that's one. That's my most probable theory, and I started feeling like that's exactly what's going to happen. But as, as the days have worn on, and it just seems too linear. It just seems too linear to be like. Tanahashi's gonna drop it to Jay White. Jay White's gonna drop it to Okada, and then we go. Then we're off to the races. That just that seems too convenient for me, and I'm not convinced that that's the way it's happening yet. It could. Yeah. I'm just not convinced of it yet. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to the uh, main event number one, the IWGP Intercontinental Title. We're already like almost at two hours, and I don't even care. Like we're, <laughs> we're running it. Like this is Wrestle Kingdom. All right, I told you guys at the beginning of the episode, sit back and relax. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> um, so we're at the IWGP Intercontinental title, no DQ match. 
the champion, the alpha, Chris Jericho taking on LIJ leader Tetsuya Naito. Uh, this match, man, this is already a strong style match of the year candidate for 2019, keeping a strong style awards. I, I hadn't thought of that. You know, I thought that the match that was going to kind of hold that place for me was going to be Ishii and um, Saber, but I don't think it hit the stride high enough to get mm-hmm. there or was violent enough. Maybe, maybe. It depends on how the match quality, but this match, oh my God, bro. Yeah, and dude, hot start. You know, Naito attacks him. Uh, before the bell, and they're brawling on the floor. I like I like both of their entrances, by the way. I oh thought, yeah, I thought Naito looked like a freaking star with that like wild boar like get up and and everything, and then Jericho came out just you know looking like Alice Cooper like he always does, but he had he had tights on this time. He's not wearing the leather pants anymore. Um, but yeah, this this thing started off fast. On yeah, the started off fast with the brawl. Naito. Pile drives Jericho on the ramp in the right in the beginning, dude. When he did that, I was like, "Bro, his head hit the freaking ramp." Yeah. Apparently, that scalped Chris Jericho. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Jericho like tweeted out, and he's like, "Never taking a, a a pile driver on the ramp again," because I guess the friction of how hard he landed, because he literally landed. That was a pile driver. <laughs> Yeah, apparently, yeah. like, the friction caused a big patch of his hair to literally just get pulled out of his head. So yeah. he's got a big bald spot. And what's funny is we were talking about Jericho's hair is getting long again. And we're like, you know, all these rest, a lot of wrestlers, like, who had long hair, you know, years ago, later on, they cut it short. And it's out of necessity because they're, they start going bald. Jericho's the opposite. He, he cut his hair short just because he wanted to. Now... He's old and he's growing it back out because he wants to. He still can, like, <laughs> yeah. so. But he's got a big bald spot now. But uh, you know, Jericho gave that man a receipt when he uh, DDT'd him on the announce table. That DDT on the announce table, bro. Strong style table. <laughs> it's a strong style table. Japanese uh. table, very strong. <laughs> yeah, bro. That was an I am the table spot, like for sure. Um, Naito's dome, freaking just got clocked right on that table. The table didn't budge whatsoever. Like, that was scary crap. And these guys were, like, potatoing each other the whole match. This match was very violent. Um, These guys are just going at Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, Jericho walks up to the ring bell and goes, ding, ding, ding. He's like, I won. won. (laughs) (laughs) Raise my hand. I won. (laughs) See, that's the thing. We were talking about this. Uh, You know, you watch a Cody match in New Japan, and Cody does a lot of crazy antics throughout the year, especially when he was in his heel persona. And we sit there, we call it smoke and mirrors, and we talk about how it's hiding stuff. Jericho does all sorts of what probably should be called smoke and mirrors, but he does it with so much excellence that we're like, this man is a legend. <laughs> like, this man gets it. He's His psychology is out of the freaking park. Like, yeah, Jericho was awesome, man. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I love the story of this match. It came down to the IC belt. So, you know, going into this thing, you know, historically, Naito hates the IC belt. It's this belt that literally haunts his career. Um, when when he was supposed to headline the Tokyo Dome at I believe WrestleMania or <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom eight, um, he was you know facing um, Okada for the IWGP title, 
And in the, what was supposed to be the semi-main event was Shinsuke Nakamura against Tanahashi for the IC title. And he wasn't landing as a character. There wasn't a lot of heat for his match. The top stars were Tanahashi and Nakamura. And they took a fan vote and they ended up uh, usurping him. And they called it a double main event. So he ended up not going on last. Even though he was in the IWGP title match. Even though he won the G1 and all that. Um, they ended up putting the IC title on ahead of him. And ever since then, he's had nothing but hate and venom and vitriol for that title. Once he finally won that belt a couple years ago, he just brutalized it. Yeah, I mean, dest- destroyed it, yeah. I used to complain so much about how ugly the title was because Nakamura didn't take care of it. And it was just grody and, you know, the belt was turning gray and the plates were getting messed up. But, like, uh, Naito took it a step further. Like, he wouldn't carry the belt out with him. He would throw it. He would throw it. (laughs) He would just, like, literally, not just throw it, he would literally, like, try to destroy it. Like, he would, and and then last year when he was, he was breaking the belt, um, or no, two years ago, he was breaking the belt, and literally, when Tanahashi won the belt, he got a new strap, got new plates, and, like, basically... Refurbish it. (laughs) He didn't even refurbish it. They had to get rid of the old one. It's a a new belt entirely. Um... But then all throughout this year, Naito has been firmly in the IC title mix until Jericho took the until for the first half of the year until Jericho beat him for the belt and took it away. And Naito has always basically said that like he doesn't want to be seen at the secondary level. And all right, he doesn't want the IC belt. He hates the belt. Um, he thought New Japan should decommission it. There's too many belts in New Japan. He wanted them to basically stop recognizing it. <laughs> yeah, but then. Come this match, it was the IC belt that helped got him the win. So he hits um, Jericho with um, that Destino, and then he grabs the belt. He has, you know, he opens his eye, looks at the belt, like smiling. Yeah. And then he hits Jericho with the belt, and then hits him with one more Destino and gets the win. Um, then um, on New Year's Dash, they mentioned, Chris Charlton mentioned that Naito said that. Um, you know the belt loves him and came back to him and yes. helped and helped him win the match. Yeah, he had said that during the pre- uh, post conference. Um, he basically said, you know, this, I've mistreated this belt for so long, but she just keeps coming back to me. <laughs> she must really love me. <laughs> and he was like, I'm gonna make it right. And at the end of the match, he made the referee present him with the belt. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what that all means, but it seems like he's kind of turned over a leaf or maybe that whole hatred of the belt storyline has uh, kind of subsided. One thing I loved about this match was as violent as it was, as crazy as it was the layout in the middle part, I did see some people being like, oh, well, it dragged in the middle. I didn't think so at all. I think that this was some of the best wrestling that we've seen out of Chris Jericho in a long time. And these guys ended up having more of a wrestling match than I actually anticipated them having. Yeah, I mean, we were expecting it's probably like a straight-up brawl, straight-up plunder match, but there was some great wrestling in this thing. It was awesome. It was high drama. There was a lot of near falls that were very believable. At one point, Jericho ended up hitting him with the ball shot, and then the... uh, the um, code breaker like he did. And I was like, oh, my God, Jericho did it again. I was like, I cannot believe I was li- I bit on that one because I was like, they're going to have Naito losing the dome again. <laughs> um, luckily, that's not what happened. But, yeah, Naito basically gets uh, Jericho out of his life. He closes this chapter with the IC title. He gets the big win in the Tokyo Dome. 
LIJ, clean sweep. They won all the belts on the same night. Um, basically exactly what you had predicted last uh, last year came true this year. Yeah, I had the vision for, you know, 2019. I didn't know it. Yeah, I get your regular uh, Nick Jackson, <laughs> right? your visions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a question here from our Twitter follower, at Axe He says, do you think there's a plan to have Naito at the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 14, or do you think he's completely out of the world title for good this year also? Oh, no. I mean, with... With all the uh, the way that things are with business, and I mean, Naito's one of, Naito's one of their top stars. He's one of their top merch sellers. He's been at the top level all year, even though he hasn't necessarily had world title shots. He's headlining shows throughout the year. Um, I'm I do think he's gonna win the title next year in the Dome. That's my prediction. Um, if it comes sooner, that's fine. But I think that they've. I think Naito is poised to have that star-making moment in the dome next year. If they don't do it, that would seem like a shame to me. I I I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think. I mean, I'm I'm thinking we're gonna get Naito Okada from one of the dome main events next year. Yeah, guys, uh, there's gonna be two dome main events next year. <laughs> by the way. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, yeah, I mean, I highly suspect him to end up back into the IWGP heavyweight title picture. I don't see him holding the IC title for long. I don't either. Um, Jericho actually, after this match, had a great press conference where uh, he just was like, this is what happens in Japan. This is what happens. He's like, this man has no honor. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you think it's okay? For, for a man to call himself a champion, but to use that same belt that he's trying to win and hit me in the face with it, <laughs> he was like, he has no honor. This is, I can't, I, I won't stand for it. New Japan Pro Wrestling should not stand for it. All you Japanese, you love honor, but you, but you cheer Naito as he hits me and smashes me in the face with that belt. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, this man's like, this is such like Terry Funk stuff. Like it's just it's just such Terry Funk stuff. And then afterwards, he basically said that, you know, he's not done in New Japan and he wants a title shot. And he basically was like, he wants to. He said he want to face Tanahashi, he want to face Okada, and he he basically said they can't keep him away from the IWGP title. So like Chris Jericho has plans. I don't know what's gonna really happen, but he has plans going into 2019 to fight for and win the IWGB title. So Yeah, so interesting. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with Chris Jericho coming up next year. All right, so that brings us to the main event of the evening, or your, your second main event, the IWGP heavyweight title match. The champion, the best bout machine, Kenny Omega, taking on... The ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And we have uh, the Young Bucks out cornering Omega. Abushi's been stretchered off. Um, and that was just the, the start of a, uh, a classic epic that we're going to see. What did you think of their entrances? Um, Omega, his entrance was um, based off of a video game. Uh, I forgot the name of it now, but... Uh, it's not a game I was familiar with, and it was based off of that video too that he he made um, that he released. Um, 
I thought it was interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know the video game, so I mean, I probably would have marked out more if I knew what game it came from. Um, but his gear was cool. Um, I kind of missed hearing like his normal uh, theme. I thought it was cool, but I also feel like I feel like it kind of didn't land. To be honest with you, yeah. There was a part of it where I was like, "Wow!" Like his his um his outfit was awesome. Like it reminded me of like Final Fantasy. But I also didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, um, I was hoping that Tanahashi would come out with high energy. I really wanted, <laughs> especially with like this being his 20th anniversary. Um, you know, and you know his 10th. He's he, dude. This is his 10th main event of the Dome. Like That's... no one has ever main evented the Dome 10 times. So like I was hoping high energy would come back. We didn't get that, but his gear was raw. It was his theme was remixed though. Yeah, uh, what what that one's called? Uh, love and energy. Yeah, some or yeah. energy and love. I, I think it thinks love, love and energy. Um, yeah, they remixed it, which was cool. But yeah, Kenny's thing was like super epic, but I didn't get it, and I kind of questioned. I was like, man, like I don't get like why Kenny does these like really niche, weird video game stuff that like I don't think that there's a big audience for. Like, yeah, from my understanding, that video game is like an indie, like super, like insider, like nerdy video game. Yeah. Like, oh, like if you know about it, you know about it. If not, then you you're lost. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> but they came out. I, but, mean, I mean, the his gear was awesome. The gear was cool. Um, but yeah, so w- while he was walking out, Kenny Omega mouthed to the camera, let's do this one last time. Yeah. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean, Kenny? <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, they they just they had an epic match here. They just had an epic match, man. Yeah, man. Dude, this thing, I mean, this is exactly what I expected these two guys to do. Go out here and just have an epic, I mean, the awesome moves in this match. I mean, the striking, the V-triggers, the sling blades, the dragon screws... Just they they definitely, in my opinion, wrestled a Hiroshi Tanahashi style match. This went forty minutes. I wouldn't call this even though Kenny Omega's wrestled long matches like this, it was nothing like an Omega Okada um, you know, style match. This was very cerebral, very methodical. Um it it was interesting. It was almost as if Kenny was trying to show Tanahashi he could beat him at his own game. Yeah, I think that was one of the keys to this match. Uh, Omega trying to show Tanahashi, hey, I can wrestle your style and beat you. And then also you had Tanahashi giving in to some of Omega's style. You know, Omega had pulled up the table um, at one point in the match, and then it was Tanahashi who took the opportunity to try and uh, put Omega through the table. And, you know, Previously, uh, Tanahashi, you know, bashed Omega for using a table in a match, and he didn't understand why he's using a table and thought it was dumb, but he was like... Yeah, they asked Tanahashi about that during the press conference, and he said it was essentially his way of converging the two philosophies and causing confusion within Kenny. Causing confusion. <laughs> and um, But, I mean, there was, there was some great stuff here. At one point, uh, Kenny Omega... Uh, you know, did his rise of the Terminator and did that springboard to the outside, and uh, Tanahashi like didn't catch him. At all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, onto the ramp. Yeah, and when he hit, when he hit, he hit the ramp really hard. Yeah. They did a great job with the Bucks coming over to check on them. You know, to make sure he was okay. Kenny, Kenny, from that point on, was really selling the back. Um, but 
All oh. throughout the match, Tanahashi's back was being attacked by Kenny Omega. Yeah, and also um, Kenny was also having to sell the knee because obviously you know the V trigger is one of Kenny's most powerful weapons, and Tana knows that. So there was tons of dragon screws, uh, dragon screws in the rope, uh, the Texas Cloverleaf trying to you know stop Kenny from using the V trigger. Yeah, Kenny Kenny definitely was using strikes, you know, running knee strikes and kicks and things like that. But eventually. He, he hit Tanahashi with a backbreaker, and then he started from that point really just focusing on the back, the back and he was just going to break Tanahashi down. Uh, at one point, he suplexed him onto the apron. Um, they went, he went outside, and um, he slammed him onto the announce table right in front of Chono. Um, he did a moonsault right off the barricade, like, yeah. like which was freaking awesome. I mean, it, it was like he did it effortlessly. Um, yeah, he he was just. Killing uh, Tanahashi's uh, back, Tanahashi basically was trying to answer that with with um, desperation, um, dragon screws all throughout the night, basically, mm-hmm. and that's that was kind of like what turned the tide for him was because those dragon screws not only were they slowing Kenny down and but they were also limiting the amount of V triggers that he would be able to potentially land on um, Tanahashi. Yeah, and then. Uh... You know, towards the end of this match, Omega was able to, uh, he had a sling blade, and then he followed up with the high fly flow of his own, um, but he only got a one. Tanahashi kicked out at one. Well, there's some other stuff that happened before this that was, like, really, like, important. Um, they teased that dragon suplex off the top rope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And From uh, the Omega Okada match. Yeah, and you kind of thought to yourself, like, Kenny's trying to kill this dude, and it's like, there's no way... Tanahashi's gonna eat a dragon suplex off the top rope, and then they, once they went all the way to the top, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> Tanahashi's gonna die!" <laughs> Luckily, like Tanahashi flipped all. Yeah, the he, way he over. did. He did a uh, face bump instead of a neck bump. <sighs> Thank God. And uh, then there was one point I remember where Omega just was like manhandling o- uh, uh, Tanahashi on the inside, like he he, he hit like these. Tenru like power bombs and he was just holding Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was nuts. And he hit like two power bombs and then he hit like a, a doctor bomb. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was it was it was really incredible. But Tanahashi just kept trying to like fire up and fire up and fire up and like fight back. You know, we we uh we mentioned the table, we failed to mention that it was Tanahashi he tried to high fly flow Omega through the table, but Omega moved and he just went crashing. Oh, I through thought his knees were gonna explode. Yeah, crashing through that strong style table. That that was like a uh, Barbaro Cavanario spot. Like, yeah, that was awful. Yeah, um, yeah, that was awful. But yeah, so then essentially once um, you know once the V trigger started coming out, and then you start getting twists and shouts and high five flows and. Sling blades and and Kataro crushers. I mean, you saw they really turned up the speed right at the end of the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, towards the end, uh, you know, Tanahashi he uh, hit the Snapdragon, got two. He goes on top for the high fly flow crossbody. Then he hits that, goes back on top for the high fly flow, connects, um, gets a near fall there. Uh, Tanahashi back up top. Omega catches him with a V trigger. And he falls up with that super dragon suplex spot that we just talked about. Um, another V trigger by Omega, and he was killing Tanahashi with, with V triggers. Oh yeah, the V triggers he was. Like, they were so. They were. There was one specifically where I was like, that might be the best V trigger I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and so he goes for the one wing angel, 
It's counter. This was a botch. I don't know what that was. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, he, that last one when Angel liked the, the counter. Well, there was the one where Tanahashi hit a reverse Rana. Yeah. Earlier. Right. This is which a, was crazy. Yeah. But then this one, I don't know what he was supposed to land, but he kind of just did like a leg drop or something from up I, there. I think he it was supposed to be a sling blade. Oh, you think so? Yeah. I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah, it, it that that's the one big botch in the match, but it wasn't even that noticeable. Yeah. Um, so then he heads up to the top, hits the high fly flow. One, two, three. We have a new IWGP champion. And for the second time of the night, I lost my mind. <laughs> Dude, uh. I, again, I mean, I was kind of in shock. I was like... You know, I predicted Kenny, and I was thinking, you know, that he would win and stay with New Japan, but that that wasn't the case. Well, we don't know that. Right. But I was running all over this apartment. I was equal parts shocked, equal parts excited to see the ace right again, but to all, also the shock that he defeated Kenny Omega in the Tokyo Dome was shocking. Um, you know, I basically ran up and told... You know, I told Rich, I said, I told you. <laughs> I told Jeremy, I said, I told you. I told Ben, I was like, you weren't even here, but I told you. Like, I, but the, the truth of the matter is, I couldn't believe that my prediction actually happened. Because <laughs> all day I was dreading this match. And I was like, I predicted it wrong. Kenny Omega is definitely winning. Like, what a fool I was. Then, come to find out. Hiroshi Tanahashi, his eighth IWGP title reign. Every single title on this card changed hands. You know what's funny? You were thinking, you were thinking to yourself that Omega was going to win. Like later, like for me, I was thinking, man, I made the wrong pick. I'm like, Tanahashi is going to win. Like based off of stuff I was seeing, like the press conferences and like interviews and like all the stuff of like all elite and all stuff. I'm like, man. Well, there was something that I'd said to Rich and you right before the show started. I was We were kind of contemplating it. Rich was telling me why Kenny's definitely going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, but here's the thing. Think about it. I was like, if, Tana, if, if, if Omega wins, it tips the hat. We know he's there. That's it. Yeah. If he loses, now there's an air of mystery. What's Kenny doing? If, if he loses in a near five-star match, which is what this was, in a classic with Hiroshi Tanahashi, now, afterwards, he's worth more. The same way he was, and I was like, bro, it's the same way after Okada two years ago, where after that match, people were like, what is Kenny Omega going to do? He didn't have the title. There was no strings attached to him. He was worth more without the belt. And that's exactly what happened here. And, and that's what we're seeing days later. Like, mm-hmm. the wrestling world is going wild and wondering. The speculation is rampant. Like, what is going to happen with Kenny Omega? Um, I just, I just, bro, this is, before we take questions, before we talk about anything else, we got to give me a freaking victory lap. Two years in a row, I have predicted the main event of Wrestle Kingdom accurately, and this crap has been hard to do. Yeah, especially considering like your wrestling predictions. The whole oh, they were off this year. <laughs> I, but you know what? I, I made up for it at the end. I got. I think I ended up getting four out of the ten matches, or five mm-hmm. out of the ten correct. So, mm-hmm. um, but this is the crowning achievement. Like the, we like all, hardly anybody was predicting Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like yeah. hardly anybody, and even I was like back and forth on it. 
Oh my god. I can't believe Tanahashi beat Now, there's a couple things I do want to say though. After it was over, I felt kind of dejected like this was wrong. Mm. I had this like weird like, kind of <laughs> sick feeling like Tanahashi should not be beating Omega in the dome. Um there's a lot of reasons where I felt like it wasn't right. As weird as that sounds, I'm such a big Tanahashi mark, but there's like in the past New Japan always goes with the younger star. It's always about pushing the future. Um, it just seemed like with the lessons that they were trying to teach one another and the, like, you know, the story should have been that Kenny was going to learn from what Tanahashi had to offer and surpass him and then respect him and maybe take that torch for from him and mm-hmm. move forward. And instead, he's just kind of gone. So it kind of feels like it's an abrupt ending and it's like Tanahashi's the champion, but we don't even know what that means. Like Tanahashi doesn't still even after. Remember how after I was like he won the G one, but he's not the ace. Yeah. Now he he's won the IWGP title in the dome, but he's not the ace, man. And so I feel like this just feels like bizarro world. Like it shouldn't have happened. It, Kenny Omega should not be losing <laughs> to Hiroshi Tanahashi in the Tokyo Dome. Even, as much as I thought it was going to happen, the only reason I predicted it was because the AEW and the business side. This feels weird to me and i feel kind of sad uh it does feel weird and you know like you mentioned it just leaves the door open like where what's going on with kenny what's the next move um and yeah it's just you know crazy to think that in 2019 hiroshi tanahashi is the iwgp champion again champion for the eighth time uh the first uh g1 winner to successfully cash in ever the briefcase yeah yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's true. He During the press conference, he had a really, really, really great uh, moment where he started crying. He was talking about Shibata and, like, how, like, him and Hanma and them cheering him on, like, really meant a lot to him. And he, like, really started crying. Like, I saw the tears fall, and I was like, oh, this man, this man's real. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of questions about this one. All right, let's do um, it. Reddit user Scythe underscore Axe. Uh, do you think the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 13 between Omega and Tanahashi really looked like there's going to be a third match between them? Because we didn't see all of their moves, and it makes me feel like that's a perfect setup for the next match. I think that the psychology was there. Obviously, Kenny Omega never landed the one-winged angel. If he had landed the one-winged angel... There's no doubt in my mind that Tanahashi would have been defeated. I mean, so I think that if he if they do business again, that's going to be the emphasis of the next match. Yeah. Um, in which uh, Reddit user Maserati... Wait, you're not going to answer? Hold on. Oh. Uh, we got kind of a follow-up on the same thing. Um, Maserati uh, said, you know, Kane never pulled out the one-wing angel against Tanahashi... Much like he couldn't get it off on Okada at first, but once mm-hmm. he did, he got the pin. Could they be doing the same thing with Tana, or are they just keeping his finisher strong? Um, Could be both. Yeah, and you know what Scythe asked in Maserati's question, um, yes, the one-wing angel was the key move that was not hit in the match. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, if Kenny was going to be completely gone, you would think maybe... They would want to expose the one wing angel and have somebody finally kick out of it. Uh, I would not do that. I don't even think Kenny would do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so honestly, I, I do think it's there is a, a potential 
for another match, um, you know, based off of comments Omega has been making in, in the press. It, it sounds like he's setting up a another match with Tanahashi, even though he does. He, even though he's not, you know, re-signed with New Japan. Yeah, um, that we know of. Right. I mean, as of this recording, as of 10.32 p.m. on Monday night, uh, we don't know what Kenny's doing. Well, Tanahashi had made comments prior to the match about how Kenny was too vicious and he wasn't elegant enough of a wrestler and that he was going out there to try to hurt people and not to win. And Kenny tried to wrestle Tanahashi-style match, and Tanahashi was just a complete prick in the in the Tokyo Dome, taking out his knees, attacking... I mean, that was the main thing, I think, that really won him the match was all those, um, those dragon screws, especially that one in the corner that really looked vicious. And it was kind of like he cut Kenny's legs out from underneath him. I would say it is telling that he didn't hit the one-winged angel, but where I don't think the story emphasized it is that if you notice in the Okada match, he kept almost landing it. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Yeah. In this match, he only... Went for it, like, what, two, two or three times, maybe? Yeah, and it, it was only towards the very ending stretch. It wasn't something he was trying to continuously go for out of desperation the whole match. So I don't think that that was necessarily the story. I think the story is that Tanahashi lulled him into wrestling his style of match and then Tanahashi taught him a lesson basically that I'll do any no matter what I say about how elegant I wrestle or how sportsmanlike I am I'm actually a vicious prick and when it comes time in the dome I'll do anything it takes to win because that's exactly what Tanahashi did Mm -hmm. and he kind of tricked like um it reminds me sort of of like Sugar Ray uh Leonard fighting Roberto Duran Roberto Duran got Sugar Ray Leonard in the first fight to basically stand toe-to-toe with him and and have a a fight on the inside. When Sugar Ray basically in the second fight like showed him that I'm way faster than you, I'm way more talented than you, and he just stayed on the outside and boxed his socks off. That's kind of what I see here. Old man Tanahashi was able to uh, appeal to the pride and arrogance of Kenny Omega to get him to wrestle his main event Tokyo Dome style match. Yeah. And Omega paid for it. Right. He fell for the trap. He fell for the trap. He fell for the words. He fell for the psychology. He got lulled into a trap. And uh, yeah, that's what I think happened here. I think that they're, Tanahashi mentioned doing a third match. They're one and one now. Um, but I don't know if we'll ever see that match. Yeah. It all depends on Kenny's future, which we'll talk about um, in the news. But before we get to the news, we need to quickly go through uh, New Year's Dash. Um, so New Year's Dash. Um, oh my God, New Year's Dash. Yeah. So we'll just go through it real quick. Yeah. So this um, typically um, for newer fans, New Year's Dash could be the equivalent of like the Raw after Mania. This is kind of the show that sets up all the future storylines and angles for the year. Um, and usually there's a lot of angles there's a lot of returns surprises it's you know usually one of the most you know unpredictable shows of the year you never know what's going to happen i mean they start to show off like the commentators don't even know what the card is until literally the ring announcer goes through and announces the card yeah and apparently the tickets were literally nearly impossible to get for this card um i mean I was listening to Observer. They were talking about how, like, you had to be part of the fan club in Japan, and then 
you had to be entered into a raffle or into a lottery. And then if you won the lottery, you can only get two tickets. And, you know, it's like they said, like Dave was saying he had like 20 people enter and only one of them won. Yeah. So they were only able to get two tickets, which is like, how did anyone get how did anyone get into this thing? Yeah, dude, it was crazy. Um, so the show kicked off. The first match we had um, KES and Iska taking on Rapungi 3K and Rocky Romero. This was a rematch um, from May. Uh, and, you know, pretty, pretty mu- much the same match. Yeah. Rapungi 3K basically and, and Rocky, they got pretty much brutalized by KES and Iska, but they used their smarts and wiles and speed to isolate Issaka and they ended up getting Yo got a cradle on him to get the one, two, three. Uh solid match. Yeah, they got the Good big opener. win and they got out of there. They freaked out backstage afterwards, basically saying like this is what they were talking about rebuilding and just talking about how great they are because they were able to roll up a heavyweight, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh next up we had Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens versus Hanma and Hanare. Um, kind of a story of like you know what's going on with Yujiro and Chase based after the fallout with the elite guys the night before and then you got Hanma and Hanare who are you know kind of you know Hanma's kind of been like mentoring Hanare the last few months and you know tr- seeing if Hanare is truly worthy of being a part of Great Bash Heel um, this was another, another quick matchup with uh, Yujiro and Chase getting the win here um, Chase hitting the package Paul driver on uh, Hanare Yep, and then the third match of the night, we got a rematch from the World Tag League. So we had uh, Finn Juice, Juice Robinson, and Dave Finley taking on the best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta. Uh, solid match, you know. Um, uh, it was really funny in the beginning. Trent uh, basically uh, said that his mom was in the crowd, and he went out into the crowd and hugged yeah, her. Yeah, he said to Juice, he was like, uh, don't do anything to like embarrass my mom or something like that. No, he's be, like, don't do anything inoffensive. Yeah, be respectful. Or be respectful. Like, my yeah. mom's here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when he when he came back from hugging his mom, like, like Chuck E. T was acting jealous, and he's like, I hugged you already. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what's your problem? Yeah, he was uh, like jealous that he went and hugged his mom. But um, they had a decent match, but in, towards the end of the match, um, you know, Finley was running wild with uppercuts and backbreakers, and Chucky just runs in with a chair, starts hitting guys with chairs, gets another DQ. Um, Post match in the back, Chucky like Trent was like, you know, what was that? And Chucky T was like, he was like, sorry man, I lost it. He was like, hardcore legend. He's like, death, death match, Dustin. Yeah, death match, Dustin. <laughs> um, so like, we still really don't know what this is leading to, but. Yeah, so that continue that storyline from the World Tag League. Oh, and one thing we didn't mention was the night prior during the post match, uh, when Juice was having his um, celebration, Chucky e. T act, or I'm sorry, Trent Beretta actually came backstage and challenged him to a, a future U.S. title match, which he granted him. So it does seem like they're going to continue the feud between these two teams, but also parlay that into a Juice and Trent title match. Yeah. Um. Which I, I could see that also happening on that the USA uh, and, and Chucky tour. laid out both these guys, you know, with pile drivers and chair shots. It was pretty, you know, I guess what he does now. <laughs> yeah, so that was like the first angle of the night. Yeah, that uh, was the first angle of the night, and I was like, uh, uh, "Where are you? I, I'm used to getting more angles than this, like more, you know." Right at that at that point, yeah. Um, and then we got a six man tag with Kushida, Jeff Cobb, and Yuji Nagata. 
against Will Ospreay, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii. This and was the match of the night. Yeah, this was... And it was awesome. Yes, this was great, dude. Nagata and Four Ishii, stars. Nagata and Ishii wanted to smoke with each other, and it was awesome. Uh, Osprey, Kushida, they're, they're always amazing together. Cobb and Goto. Cobb and Goto have All been, these guys. Yeah, dude. This, this, this was, is really good. This is the one big, like, I would recommend this highly if you haven't seen it. Go out of your way to watch it. This was much better than Kushida and Ishimori in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, dude. This match was fire. And after this match, like, dude, sign me up for Ishii and Nagata, like, strong style battle right now. They actually, yeah, during the press conference, the post-match, Nagata was talking about, like, how don't count him out just because he's old. Like, he'll still work Ishii. And Ishii's like, you want it, run it, <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, and... You know, Osprey towards the end of this match, it was him and Kushida. He uh, didn't hit. The, he did not hit the back elbow. He, he teased it, but just ended up hitting the Stormbreaker and uh, pinning Kushida. After the match was over, um, you know, Kushida kind of lingered around for a while, and then him and um, Will Osprey did a fist bump. And at that point, I was like, "Oh, Kushida's he's for, gone. He's, he's gone. Like yeah. he's leaving." Um, and it did seem like he was bowing to the crowd and waving goodbye. And it it very much felt like a final like goodbye to that yeah. crowd. But also too, you had like Ishii and Nagata were still trying to like run it after the match, and they'd hold them back. And Jeff Cobb and Goto too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then the next matchup is the uh, never uh, open weight six man tag title match with the champions. Uh, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, and Taiji defending against Taguchi, Makabe, and Yano. Uh, it's all right, match. The big story here is that um, Yujiro and Chase Owens arrive. They attack Makabe. Owens hits the package pile driver. Um, and then Tangaloa falls up with the ape shit, and the GOD Ishimori team retain the six-man titles and Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi are now back with the Bullet Club. Which they probably should have just been the whole time. Right. Um, had a question here from Maserati. He says, was it me or, or do Chase and Yujiro seem like chumps the way they rejoined Bullet Club? They were kind of just left behind by the elite and came groveling back. They weren't left behind. They split the night before um, because of a because of dissension and then they turned evil again they didn't get left behind they made this choice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it just, I think it's just I, I don't think it was good booking yeah it's just one of those another reasons why like that whole second half of the Bullet Club Civil War storyline kind of sucked it didn't lead anywhere and these guys basically got you know hurt by it I mean they teamed with the Bushi the whole entire second half of the year and they were aimless yeah, um, like clear, these guys should have been with with the Tongans the whole time. Yeah, um, they they did cut. I will say this: they cut a really funny promo in the back, uh, all of them together talking about how they never want to break up again and they're 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 gonna love each other for life. And it's 2019; they're all turning over a good, uh, you know, uh, new leaf. And Tamatanga forgives good, them. He's good, a good, yeah, yeah, he's a good, good guy. Yeah. Now. So that was pretty funny. But I gotta say, like we're you know. How many matches deep into this? One, two, three, four, five. And there's been two angles that are basically things that you would just see on any, like, Road to Cork and Hall show. Yeah. Not necessarily what I expect from New Year's Dash. New Year's Dash. Yeah. Plus, I haven't seen any, like, big 
returns, returns or debuts, debuts, like yeah. literally nothing. So I got to tell you, by this point, I was like, this show's okay, but I'm kind of getting concerned. Um, the next match of the night was uh, uh, eight-man tag, LIJ, Naito, Bushi, Evil... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, ten-man tag, Naito, Bushi, Evil, Sonata, and Shingo. Taking on Suzuki Goon, Suzuki, Saber, Taichi, Kanemaru, and Desperado. Um, this was okay. This was good. Yeah, this was a good matchup. I mean, the whole purpose of this match was to set up um, future title matches and angles between LIJ and Suzuki Goon. Um, tai Chi was able to get the he used the IC title to lay out Naito, and he hit the air raid crash and got the pin on Naito. So that's gonna set up, you know, Naito and Tai Chi for IC title match. Of course, Desperado and Kanamaru are gunning Bushi and Shingo, and then Suzuki and Saber are coming after Evil and Sonata. Taichi cut a promo afterwards talking about how if Naito doesn't love the IC title, he should just give it to him because he wants it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and um, actually, the post-match conference with all of Suzuki-Goon together was really funny. Um, I would recommend checking that out. Like, I miss... I always talk about how I miss those Survivor Series style like uh, uh, backstage interviews where all the guys are talking. That's like kind of what the Suzuki Goon one was like. Um, tai Chi talked about how like he, like he was able to beat Naito without even having to take his pants off. <laughs> yeah, he's like, make me take my pants off, Naito. <laughs> and then uh, Kanemaru and Desperado were like, Tai Chi has such a large heart. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, basically they all these different guys are getting title shots going forward. You know, probably at. New beginnings, so yeah. that's pretty much what it's all setting up. Yeah. Um, and then we had the main event of the evening, which was Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming up with Yoshihashi, who's making his big return, and Kazuchika Okada, and they were taking on the Bullet Club team of Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, and Gato. Um, this was a pretty good match, uh, bringing back Yoshihashi. Crowd popped big for him. Oh, Yoshihashi was back? <laughs> But uh, you know he did. He does what he does, and um, Jay White ended up hitting the Blade Runner on him. How about as soon as we started watching this, I was like, you know, Yoshihashi's losing, right? And you're like, what? And I was like, you're like, he's returning. And I was like, bro, there's no. You're like, Gato's gonna lose. I'm like, no, bro, it's Yoshihashi. It doesn't matter that he's got new gear. It doesn't matter that he has new hair. It doesn't matter that he's making a return. It doesn't matter that he has new moves. This man is taking the pinfall loss. Like, that's what he's there to and do. That's exactly what he did. Because uh, he's a loser, bro. Hit <laughs> with the Blade Runner. Um, Post match, uh, Jay White calls out Tanahashi for a title shot. Jay says Tanahashi is old and can barely walk. He's done. Um, then Gato, White, and Fale beat down Tanahashi. Okada tries to make the save. Uh, but Fale hits him with the grenade. Then White lays out Tanahashi with the Blade Runner. Um, and gloats about laying out the top two stars once again and stand tall to close the show. Um, we had a question here from Twitter user um, at DJ JKIRKBY. He says, how do you feel New Year's Dash was this year compared to previous years? Oh, this was the worst New Year's Dash I've ever seen. I was. It, it's not by any means a bad show. But with... All the angles, pretty. I mean, the the angle that they did with Tanahashi and Jay White was probably the most substantial thing that happened on the show, um, setting up a future title shot. But Jay White had already kind of come out and challenged him at the press conference the night before. Um, so I mean, they're they're building that match. It's fine, but it's just 
This is all stuff that we could have seen on any Road 2 show. This was not New Year's Dash. Yeah. New Year's Dash is supposed to be full of surprises, new directions that we couldn't see coming. Nothing. nothing. Okay. Tanahashi and Jay White is a feud that's been happening, and now it's just kind of carrying over again. Right. So it's not new, and I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying it's not new. These guys were wrestling in tag matches all before, uh, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. LIJ and Suzuki Goon, even though we're going to get some new matches, these this was on our feud of the year list because they've been wrestling all year long. Again, I'm not criticizing it. I get why it's happening. I think it's good booking. I think that the Naito and um, Taichi storyline coming full circle makes a lot of sense. And I think that Taichi deserves this for being left off the G1 and being left off Wrestle Kingdom. But again, we could have seen this on any Road 2 show. This is not new. Um, Yujiro and Chase rejoin the Bullet Club. They've been part of them for years. Not that big of a surprise. Yeah, like it, it's really nothing. And then and then Chucky e. T like hitting guys with chairs again. Like just a continuation of the World Tag League. We literally got no surprises. We literally got no returns. Oh yeah, Yoshihashi came back. What what a <laughs> return! Oh my god. So yeah, no. I want to see Cheeseburger. I want to see you know. Like, a, uh, last year they had that Hanare match where he did the special match against Jay White. Mm-hmm. I liked the angle they did with... They did that whole angle with uh, with Cody and Kenny to start things off. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff I like. Dude, I mean, in previous years we had Suzuki Goon coming back, um, just destroying everybody. The 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 turn with uh, the Bullet Club. Yeah, AJ Styles getting you know, booted out of the Bullet Club. Nothing, nothing on this Kenny show. Kenny Omega beating Nakamura in that tag match. This was like logical booking. It's good booking, but it's not mm-hmm. memorable. Mm-hmm. This is not a special show. For how hard it was for people to get tickets for this show, you weren't really missing anything. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was kind of, I was very let down. I think it's the worst uh, New Year's Dash in the last five or six years. Yeah, not good, not good. Although that 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 six man tag with uh, Chaos and Seki again was that was very that's worth a watch. That's worth a watch. That's and then some of the storylines. But man, that's this was not not my New Year's Dash. <laughs> All right, we're gonna jump into the news and finish out these questions real quick. Um, so during Wrestle Kingdom, there was a lot of announcements for um, shows in 2019. Um, One of the big announcements, the first night of the G1 Climax 29 will be taking place in the United States. Oh, my God. Uh, So the first night will be taking place um, at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas on July 6th. You know what my prediction is? Hmm. They do the first night all A block and B block matches, all singles. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen as well. Um, so yeah, dude, that's gonna be crazy. G one kicking off here in the U.S. Um, and then um, another big an- announcement was that um, in 2020 there will be two days of Wrestle Kingdom, January 4th and 5th, back to back nights in the Dome. First time in New Japan history. Yeah, so I mean, it's been years since they've done multiple dome shows in the same calendar year. It has people been wondering about, you know, how they expand, how they grow. We had kind of mentioned maybe them running a different dome throughout the year, but this kind of makes more sense. Everyone's in town, it's a holiday weekend, it's a big show. 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll know more as things go on. But yeah, this, I think it's good. I think it's really good. Yeah, dude. This, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. I'm gonna be there. Yes, we will be there. Um, so yeah, so I don't know if they're gonna do New Year's Dash on the six, but I don't know if they're doing it. I think yeah. it's just gonna replace it. Yeah. So we'll see what the card will look like later on in the year. Some other dates that were announced: New Beginning in Sapporo is happening February second and third. We have the new beginning in Osaka on February 11th. New Japan Cup will be on March 23rd and 24th. Of course, there's the G1 Supercard at MSG on April 6th. Road to Wrestling Dantaku April 20th. 20th. Uh, Wrestling Dantaku 2019, May 3rd and May 4th in Fukuoka. The Best of the Super Junior 26 Finals will be taking place June 5th at Sumo Hall. Wow. That's a big one. Um, of course, Dominion on June 9th will once again be in Osaka Joe Hall. And August 31st at the Copper Bank Arena in London, England. So a couple of things that are interesting there. Um, I don't know if they didn't say New Japan Cup finals. They just said the New Japan Cup. and They only listed two days, which would indicate to me that they're only running two nights of New Japan Cup. Well, that might be the two big nights. I we we don't know because a lot we of don't time, know. Yeah, but it sounds like that. That's what it is to me. Because if you notice all the other cards, they're like these are the finals. These are the finals. Mm-hmm. And with that, they're just like twenty third and twenty fourth. That sounds like maybe they're not gonna do a full tour with it, and maybe just do the the New Japan Cup tournament over two nights, which is possible. Yeah. Um. Another thing. There's no Sakura Genesis or Invasion Attack this year. Yeah. The uh, MSG show looks like it's going to take place of Sakura Genesis. So probably whoever wins New Japan Cup is going to headline MSG, MSG most likely. Yeah. So maybe that's why they might do it over just a two-night deal to like add that emphasis and prestige to like having a two-night tournament. You know? Yeah. Um, the juniors are going to headline in Ryogoku. Um, they're go. They're doing international shows here as well as England. They're running bigger shows Dude, this year than this, they have. Yeah, last this year. is a very ambitious 2019 for New Japan. Yeah, they're gonna have to book. They're gonna have to book like they've never booked before. Yeah. With what might be a more limited roster, this is a tough ask for any booker. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna have to do something. They're gonna have to keep business up. It's a tough ask. Yeah. Well, speaking of business being up, business was definitely up for Wrestle Kingdom 13. We have the paid attendance um, for this year's Tokyo Dome show, which was 38,162, which is up from the 34,995 from Wrestle Kingdom 12 last year. Um, and Meltzer reported that the total attendance for Wrestle Kingdom 12 was the largest crowd for a New Japan show in 16 years. The paid attendance... Uh, for Wrestle Kingdom 11 in 2017 was 26,192. So, obviously, great numbers here this year for Wrestle Kingdom 13. Absolutely. Um, then we have news about Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega says that he's leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, in a news article on Tokyo Sports website, Omega says following his loss to Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 13, he needs some time to take he needs to take time away. The article mentions that he's also likely going to either All Elite Wrestling or WWE. 
He said, there's no real place for me to fit, so it's best uh, for me not to be in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Omega is quoted as saying, I can't be working under Tanahashi. I don't think he surpassed me. Don't think he's better. If we can, I want to face him again, but I need time away and not just from New Japan. Um, but he's had a lot of time away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How much time away does this guy need? Who knows? Uh, and apparently his contract, and this is kind of, I've, I've been hearing conflicting stuff on this, whether his contract is actually up now or whether it expires at the end of the month. Um, I've heard that it's up at the end of the month, which would mean he's not showing up at any sort of Royal Rumble, hypothetically, right. or anything like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, man. Kenny Omega, dude. What are you thinking? I think he's gone. Um, but I've been thinking that. You know, and now it does seem like... I don't think he should leave. Um, I think in a perfect world, we get to keep Kenny Omega... Um, anyone who thinks it's a good thing that Kenny Omega's leaving, you're crazy. Um, do you want to watch a G1 with no Kenny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you want to watch a Wrestle Kingdom with no Kenny? A Dominion with no Kenny? Come on. Um, I get why people sometimes have problems with him or, or directions with his character or things he does outside of the ring. I get all that. Uh, Kenny Omega is one of the greatest talents that the wrestling world has ever known and I don't want him to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. The thought of it is making me very sad and upset. Yeah, uh, Reddit user Maserati, he was saying, you know, he was asking, is Kenny gone from New Japan? I don't think he was going to leave, but now I'm having doubts. And I think he's gone, man. Um, I, I, For whatever reason, I mean, only Kenny really knows, but he did say that he's not happy here. I don't think if he goes to WWE, he'd be any happier. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. And, I mean, we did get a tease in uh, this week's Being the Elite. Um, Kenny lost his phone. And if you watch... Oh, the- is that what that meant? I didn't get it. I was like... Yeah. I was like... I just assumed it was Kenny's phone, but I didn't realize he lost his phone. Yeah, during the one of the, the backstage segments in the Tokyo Dome, when they left Squirrel, Kenny was like, oh, I, I lost my phone. I need to go find my phone. Then you cut to the end scene. You see there's a phone um, outside the Tokyo Dome with the. I mean, I'm reading reports that Kenny Omega's already turned down the WWE offer and is like they're gonna announce him signing with AEW in, within a matter of days. I don't know how reputable those reports are. Right. There was also reports that he was going to Stanford to sit down and meet with, you know, uh, WWE, and that they had already made him a huge money offer. So. What he really ends up doing, I don't know. If I'm New Japan, I do whatever it takes to keep Kenny Omega, but I think him losing in the Dome is a pretty telling sign that he's probably gone. Yeah. I mean, I expect any any minute now that we'll get the news on where he's going. Um, and we had a question here from um, Sir Sam. He says, how does the loss of the Elite hurt their Western expansion? It was so strange tuning into New Year's Dash and not seeing at least Kenny wrestling. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that. So, yeah, New Year's Dash, no elite at all. No no Jericho, n- nobody from the elite. And they were, they were all there. They were all there. Yeah, that was very strange, too. Um, how does it hurt? I mean, I think that in some ways, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but I remember we were in... Uh, we we're all in, and we we're talking to Esteban, who you know is a good friend of the show. He's someone who's trying to start the North North American uh, New Japan fan club, 
And he talked to us and said that, you know, that the New Japan brass thinks that most of the people here are not actually New Japan product fans, but that they're Bullet Club fans. There might be some truth to that. And yeah. I think that we, if, if in fact they leave, we will find out how many of these so-called New Japan fans are actually fans of New Japan as a product or whether they are just fans of, you know, Cody the Bucks and, and Kenny and all that. Um, that being said, they're the hottest act in wrestling outside of the major companies. Um, and they couldn't, they can't be like seen as anything other than an asset, no matter what people say about them killing new Japan or what have you. Um, they're, they're the biggest draws in wrestling. Um, all in tells you that AEW is telling you that. Being the elite tells you that the numbers that they do, the t-shirt hot sales, hot topic, pop, all of that tells you what these guys bring, and if it's a huge loss, how big of a loss it is, I don't know. We're gonna find out. They're starting yeah. their own company, and how successful that is outside of New Japan, that's that's that tells you something. Yeah. And so, in more talent news, uh, Kushida is officially leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was announced at the post-Wrestle Kingdom 13 press conference that Kushida will be departing after his contract expires on January 31st. Kushida made an appearance at the press conference and, without directly revealing what his next destination is, spoke about his decision. He says, I will leave New Japan on January 31st. Um, this is an extremely tough decision made with uh, Mei, Sagubashi, and Kadani. It was a very big decision in my life, and I'm thankful they understood. I will head overseas to see the world of pro wrestling. And the rumor mill has it that um, he's going to be going to WWE. Uh, Kushida loves um, kind of the Western lifestyle. I mean, he's always the first one to raise his hand to go work in Ring of Honor. He has a lot of friends. He pretty he knows the language pretty well and the culture he loves. Obviously, he loves um, Back to the Future movie. Um, so yeah, and uh, if you watch 205 Live, they've mentioned that they're scouring the globe to bring new talent to the show. So honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Time Splitter shows up on 205. That's code. <laughs> scouring the globe, that's code. I don't like that. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, no more Kushida. Maybe. Zach Porter had a question. Thoughts on Kushida's announcement to leave at the end of the month? Yeah, man, it's... It's, um, I don't know, man. It's kind of bittersweet, um, you know, and I, th I think it's kind of the right move for him. I mean, there are no plans to make Kushida a heavyweight. Um, they, they just don't have the plan to push him in that direction for whatever reason. Um, he's done what it, pretty much everything you can do in the junior division. He's been in the junior division for eight years. He was the ace of the division. Um, I mean, he's had epic matches with everybody that you can possibly think of in that division um, so I mean literally what else could he possibly do to continue on in that division everything you're saying is valid but I also say if he's going to WWE and they, they made him a big money offer and it's better for him his life and his family you know great um, but I don't think we're going to see what we've seen from Kushida anywhere else so I'm not really excited for it. Yeah. I don't really have much to say about it. Like, he's like I don't see him being an NXT being an awesome thing. I don't. See, I mean, maybe it would be, but, 
but then then what? Uh, good friend of the show, Rich Latta, once told me, watching NXT is like watching a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, it's really, really good, but you know all your favorite characters are going to die at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the death being called up to the main roster? Yeah, once he goes to the main roster, he goes to 205 or whatever it is they end up doing with him, then what? And so it's yeah. kind of like, you know, eh, you know? I, I've been optimistic about too many Japanese Perazu guys that have gone to, uh, you know, Kenta, Tozawa, Nakamura. It's all crap. <laughs> I don't have anything good to say about it. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, the rumors are going to be, I mean, who knows? Maybe All Elite gives them a, an offer. We that, that would be cool. So, I, I doubt it. But, I don't think so. But. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Um we have although I want to say remember we had all those rumors earlier in the year about how upset people were with management and how unhappy they were and people were thinking of leaving and now the year's ending and people are thinking of leaving and people are leaving and they're like oh some of the Japanese talent that you wouldn't think were leaving and people are like I have not I haven't heard that yeah all of a sudden, Kashi is gone. All of a sudden, all the all the elite is gone. It's like maybe there was some smoke to that. Maybe there was some fire to that smoke back then. You know. Yeah, but I don't think the elite's gone because of management. I mean, they're they're gone because they're starting their own company. They they want to work with New Japan. You don't think that Kenny Omega might be leaving because of disputes with management? Because that's May, what it sounds like. To maybe me. Kenny, but not the Bucks and Cody and Hangman and Skrull. I don't know. They sound pretty frustrated to me from the kind of comments they've been make, making and stuff like that. Ever since Harold Mai came into power, they just disappeared for the last half of the year. True. So, it it does kind of sound like that's what it yeah. was. But I mean, I'm not saying it's just that. But yeah. I I mean those reports. I'm not saying those reports are fully true. But I'm saying when they came out, everyone's like, no, no, they're not true. It's bullcrap. Meltzer's wrong. All of a sudden, every, six months later, everyone's gone, and you know it. It seems like maybe that stuff was true. Yeah. Uh, we have the cards for. Uh, new Beginning in Sapporo and New Beginning in Osaka. So like I mentioned earlier, New Beginning in Sapporo, uh, night one is happening February 2nd. The main event's going to be the Mega Aces finally having their big tag team match with just themselves. It's going to be Tanahashi in Okada versus Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. We're also going to have uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil, Suzuki versus Sonata, um, Naito, Shingo, and Bushi against Taichi, Kanemaru, Desperado, Taguchi, Yoshihashi, Hanuma, Yano, and Makabe against Ishimori, Chase Owens, Yujiro, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa. Uh, Tenzan and Tiger Mask 4 against Iska and Takamichi Nohu. Nakanishi and Tohanari against Yoshida and Umino. And Narita versus Yumura. And then on night 2 of New Beginning in Sapporo, which is February 3rd, it's a main event with the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. Naito defending against Taichi. The IWGP Tag Team Championships will be on the line as Evil and Sonata defend against uh, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. The, also, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles will also be on the line as Shingo and Bushi defend against Desperado and Kanemaru. Also, we'll have Tanahashi, Okada, and Yoshihashi against Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens. Taguchi, Hanuma, Yano, Makabe, and, uh, taking on Ishimori, Yujiro, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa. Tenzan and Narita against Iska and Taka. Nakanishi and Tiger Mask 4 against Yoshida and Umino and Tohanare versus Yotosuji. And then New Beginning in Osaka is February 11th, main evented with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match, Tanahashi defending against Jay White. We have Okada versus Bad Luck Fale in the semi-main. 
We have Taiji Ishimori defending against Risuke Taguchi, Makabe and Yano taking on G.O.D., Hanma and Yoshihashi taking on Takahashi and Owens, Naito, Shingo Bushi t- uh, taking on Taichi, Kanemaru Desperado, Evil Sonata against Umino and uh, Ayato Yoshida, and Tenzan, Kojima, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger against Suzuki, Iska, and Taka. And speaking of Iska, uh, news came out that he's going to be retiring next month. Uh, he will Thank be, God. <laughs> he will be holding a retirement ceremony on February 21st during the New Japan Road uh, Tour um, on having a cork in Hall. Um, so yeah, so no more Iska after next month. I what are, mean, what are, what are we gonna do? This is one of the few like departures that I'm not really like dreading. I'm <laughs> I'm like all right. It, it was his time. It was very evident that it was his time. So yeah. And before I jump to the next thing, we did have some questions about the main event in Osaka with uh, Jay White and Tanahashi. Um, Jai Bryan says, are they going to feed Jay to Tanahashi, or does Jay have a uh, have a chance to win at this point? Well, I think Jay has a chance to win. Um, you know, last year, he had a title shot at New Beginning. Yeah. Well, I added that. He says, does Jay have to win at this point? Well, yeah. Abs- I mean, he might. I don't know if he has to win. Um, he's kind of in a similar position to, like, Prince Devitt from years past, where, like, He's gotten himself to a, a place where he's in title contention, but I don't know that he needs to win the title immediately. I think the thing with Tanahashi, and it's pretty telling, is that Tanahashi is... We're coming towards the end of the Heisei era, you know? Um, that The Heisei era is going to end in April, so whoever wins at MSG is going to be the final champion going into this new era of Japanese pro wrestling. Um I I think for sure Tanahashi is going to drop the belt, whether it's now or then. I don't see it lasting more than by April, you know? Yeah. And I could hypothetically see him dropping the belt early, like right now. I could totally see that. Right. I don't know if it's going to be to Jay White. And I, I'm not ready to make that prediction yet. Yeah. I mean, we'll make our official predictions when we get closer to the show, but... Um, does Jay have to win? I don't think he has to win. I think he can still be hot um, going into this year, not winning the title from Tanahashi. But I do think there's a great chance that he could win. I mean, this is a guy that they had beat Tanahashi and Okada back-to-back during the, during the G1 on the first mm-hmm. two nights. To have him go pay-per-view, you know, biggest show of the year, and then the next pay-per-view win the IWGP title, that's quite a push. Yeah. They are pushing him to the moon, though, guys. So no matter what anyone criticizes or says about him, like, they've made a decision and they're sticking to it. They're not going to deviate. Like, this guy's getting that push one way or the other. Uh, Then our buddy, The Implications, he says, Jay White is IWGP heavyweight champion by the end of the year, yay or nay. Or hell, even beating Tana right away at New Beginning. I, I got to tell you, Imp, if you want my opinion, and I, I'm wrong a lot of the time, but I'm 75% yay. Yeah, I, I could, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I can see Jay White being a champion this year. Uh, then we have a question about the IC title match, uh, Simon Cotton. He says, why does Naito keep, keep getting hoed, LOL? Taichi is the next opponent after Jericho. Um... Yeah, I I don't really agree, Simon. I got to tell you, 
Taichi's had a great year. Um, I know that pe- there are people that don't like Taichi, but he has had a, he's had a great year compared to where he's been in years past. Um, and Taichi really deserves this title shot. I think he could even beat Naito, to be honest with you. I think that that might be the guy they transition the title to quickly to just get the belt off Naito. Um, you got to understand that they've been in a, a year-long feud, and it all started one year ago with Taichi and Naito. This is circular booking. It's full circle. Right. Um, and I, I think, too, in a situation, you can't just think about Naito. you got to think about Taichi. Taichi is somebody that they are pushing, and they want to make him a star. Yeah. So it's not so much, oh, what are they doing to Naito? It's what are they doing for Taichi? They're trying to, you, they're trying to use Naito to help get Taichi over. Taichi's, like, really popular too like you have to understand he's pretty over with the the tokyo crowds he's over with i mean this is a guy they used to chant go home tai chi they don't chant that anymore yeah i know that like someone coming into a lot of like fans who are like more fair weather fans or people just coming into it they don't like tai chi and i get it i i'm not gonna sit here and tell you i'm a tai chi mark yeah i mean i don't like tai chi but i'm not I, i understand what they're doing but he did have great matches this year. He also had bad matches. So I'm not sitting here saying he's a fantastic worker. If if anything, he, he's probably at the bottom of the list. But he's got a gimmick that's over. He's got a character that's over. He's been in this year-long feud. And this really isn't Naito getting hoed. If anything, I think Naito see. If you want my opinion, I think Naito sees potential in Taichi. Otherwise, he wouldn't have worked with him as many times as he has throughout the past couple years. To try to get this guy over, I think that Naito is trying to elevate a guy. I don't. I don't think Naito sees this as a step down. I think he sees this as business. Right. And I think I'm not ready to make my prediction, but if you ask me today, I think I think Taichi's going to win the belt. Hmm. Hot take. I mean, I don't know. I'm not yeah. ready to make that official prediction, but I don't see that belt being on Naito for a long period. And I mean, they got to get it off of him at some point and I don't see why Taichi couldn't be that guy. Right. Them doing a quick transition kind of like what they did with Jay White and Omega last year. Yeah. And people will be very shocked but uh, Taichi almost beat Naito last year. He they, did. He almost did. Yeah. So, um, so moving on uh, more contract updates. Um, we have Juice Robinson the new IWGP US champ. He signed a three year deal with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we all know that WWE was making offers and really wanted to get Juice back, but he signed the deal uh, with Thank New God. Japan. Uh, also, we have Rocky Romero announced, our good friend announced on Twitter that he's come to terms with New Japan on a multi-year deal. So one thing we have seen in previous years, you know, New Japan was all about um, you know the short-term deals. Yeah, everybody had one-year deals, and that's where you saw... You know, everybody, you know, leaving the company all at the same time. But now they've gotten a little bit smarter. Um, they have um, given these guys multiple, you know, Osprey, he signed like a two-year deal. And some of the other guys, they're now signing two- to three-year deals. Um, Things are changing this year. This company is changing the way they're doing business with the wrestling landscape. They're locking guys up for longer periods of time. They're becoming more ambitious. They're running bigger shows. I mean... Management has changed this year, and we're seeing that reflected. They also signed Chase Owens to a deal as well. Um, One thing we haven't got a chance to really talk about was um, All Elite Wrestling. So by now, you've all seen the news about All Elite Wrestling being official. 
you know, that Double or Nothing is their big show that's going to be happening uh, during Memorial Day weekend, May 25th, in Las Vegas. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably Tuesday, so the Jacksonville rally is about to happen or happening, depending on you when. You going? No, I'm not. I'm not going. You're not taking off work to go see your boys? <laughs> nah. I'll, I'll watch it on the stream. Uh, but as of right now, we know that um, Cody's the executive vice president, and he's signed. The Young Bucks are signed. Hangman Page. Uh, Brandy's going to be the chief brand officer. Uh, Britt Baker is signed, and SCU is signed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, not too much new there. We're waiting to see all the other big signs and well, what news is going to come out of the um, rally in Jacksonville. Um like you mentioned earlier, Jericho said he's not done with New Japan, so... We'll see. We'll see. as somebody to keep your eyes on, whether he's going to come back to New Japan or be an all-elite. Uh, uh, speaking of, you know, all-elite and New Japan, uh, there was a report going out that Ring of Honor... Or New Japan has made the decision that they are going to be continuing working with Ring of Honor as of right now. And clearly that makes sense with... You know, MSG coming up and all the other tours that are already set for this year. And all elites out. Yeah. Apparently. As of right now, I mean, things are changing all the time. I mean... The, the last report from Dave Meltzer was that they all tried to sit down on the 5th and have a, have a meeting to see how they could come to terms with working with one another. But ultimately, with the fact that AEW and Ring of Honor are trying to sign the same guys... Run dates probably most likely in the same cities and run television products. They're going to be completely contradictory to one another. It's their direct competition, and they're also vying for that number two spot for market share in North America. So we don't know if things are going to change. This isn't the final say, but basically what Dave Meltzer said is like they're out, and like AEW yeah. talents not going to be able to work for New Japan or Ring of Honor, basically. Yeah, so yeah, that's going to be interesting to see if anything changes in that relationship. Um, we did have a question here um, from Reddit user uh, Rambo Rambone Slam Pig. He says he would like to hear some discussion about what the future or working relationships between New Japan and other companies might look like. Are they going to work with one promotion per area, or are they open to multiple relationships? Does the recent contract that David Boy uh, Smith Jr. signed with MLW allow him to take New Japan dates, uh, portend some sort of working relationship? What about AEW? Is the relationship with Ring of Honor strong, and does that preclude working with those other companies? Well, a um, couple things. So, I mean, New Japan is part of the IW... I forget what the official title of it is, but it's basically a, a partnership between Ring of Honor, CMLL... Rev Pro, MCW, and anyone else? Those are the major companies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So those are the those are their major partnerships, um, you know, across the world, and it pretty much does mean that they don't work with talent. We've seen it in the past, like where they didn't want to book WrestleMania weekend, they didn't want to book AAA talent because they didn't want to upset CMLL, right? Things like that. Um, they have allowed Taiji Ishimori to work Impact before, but he's the only one. Impact has tried to work to work uh, with them. Impact actually spoke out regarding all this stuff, and they said that uh, I forget who's their president. Uh, I forget his. I name. forget now. But he he basically said we're willing to work with AEW, we're willing to work with New Japan, we're willing to work with anybody. Like we're not closed off to any of these possibilities. But it does seem like New Japan, based on their partnerships with Ring of Honor. 
they're not working with MLW. They're not right. Working with um, Impact. The deal with the deal with MLW contracts, pretty much their contracts only permit them for not working WWE. They can pretty much work anywhere else they want. So Dave Boy Smith Jr. Yes, he's signed to MLW, but he's still going to be taking dates new, with New Japan. He's not under New Japan contract. Um, KES, they're actually freelancers. Um, so that's why you see them come in and out so you know sparingly throughout the year sometimes. Um, so yeah, we'll, still, we'll still be saying KES in New Japan. What we know about AEW as of this moment, they, uh, from, from the latest reports, and this could change, they're not going to be working together. Um, I think in a perfect world, everyone wanted to try and find a way, but the reality is their direct competition with the their with uh you know New Japan's biggest partner in the states. I think New Japan might be making a mistake here, but we don't really know what AEW is going to be, and they they have a long-standing invested relationship with Ring of Honor. Um, is the relationship with Ring of Honor strong? Uh, As yes, of right and, now, yes. yes, but also no. I feel that um, what Kevin Kelly said on Twitter just recently about how he feels New Japan has just been used by Ring of Honor to, to pop tickets, I think that's absolutely true. I don't think they've utilized the talent properly. I don't think that they have explored what this relationship and partnership really could be in terms of building a strong global brand. Yeah. Instead, they just bring guys in as attractions and just pop their, their house show numbers and don't do anything with them. Right. I mean, it's not like RevPro where we're seeing them actually use yes. uh, Suzuki and Saber and Ishii. Yes. Uh, even Taichi. They use different guys and uh, to do big matches and storylines and actually build something. But the, the bottom line is... They're trying to help Ring of Honor in a tough time right now. They're sending talent over there to help them to cope with the loss of all these elite guys. And All Elite was banking on being able to work with these two companies, especially New Japan. And with New Japan, with them not being having access to New Japan guys, I mean, I'm not saying it spells doom for them, but that's a big loss. Yeah. But for everybody, for everybody involved. The only thing that makes me feel like maybe there could be some sort of partnership is Kenny Omega. I think he's the one guy that's big enough, marketable enough, and means enough to where like all parties involved would be like, we want him. Also, for the All Elite New Japan connection, there's another bargaining chip. His name's Kazuchika Okada. Okada is big friends with the Young Bucks ever since their time in Impact. There were reports he was supposed to work All Elite. And he wants to work All Elite. Um, so that's, that's true, too. So there's a chance that Okada could be the saving grace there for them. Uh, trying to run this stuff down quickly. I know we're super over on this time. This is the longest show we've ever done, but it's also our biggest show that we've ever done. So yeah. trust me, next week, Fantastica Mania, we'll, we'll, we'll breeze through it. Plus, we're going to have Zach Porter on here. He's going to tell us all about his time in Japan. So. Yeah, and speaking of Fantastica Mania, those cards are revealed. You can go to NJPW1972 um, to check out the cards. You know, a lot of our favorites are coming back. Um it's a really, I know a lot of people like to dip out during New Japan during this tour, but it's a really fun tour, and I highly recommend that you stay tuned. The to matches it. are freaking good. Yes, it's great stuff. Also, the free match of the week this week is uh, Kamatachi, which is uh, Hiromu Takahashi, if you didn't catch him during a CMLL day, is taking on Dragon Lee um, from 20, I believe, 15. I think it was 2015, yeah. That match is four and a half. It's freaking awesome. Trust me, you want to see it. It's free. Check it out. Um, and then, you know, speaking of New Japan guys coming to Ring of Honor, 
David Finley is going to be taking on Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. That's good pop business. (laughs) For the Atlanta (laughs) TV tapings this Saturday. And then at the pay-per-view on Sunday, Honor Reigns Supreme. The Best Friends will be taking on uh, Juice Robinson and David Finley. A rematch from what we saw at New Year's Dash. Um, Shibata is going to be making appearances at the uh, Road to G1 Supercard events. uh, January 24th to 26th, which are happening in uh, Texas, I believe. Um, we kind of already talked about being the elite. And the last thing we've got to quickly mention, obviously, um, the wrestling world, we lost uh, Mean Gene Oakland. Yes. So, I mean, obviously, the voice of a generation, um, the voice of my childhood. Um, he, he'd been in bad health for, you know, several years. But, um, you know, it is unfortunate to hear about this. Obviously, Mean Gene didn't have a huge connection to, like, New Japan or, or Perezu, But, I mean, anyone who's listening probably, re- you know, can recall back to his work in WCW, his work in WWF, his work in AWA. And, you know, uh, amongst all his peers and amongst anyone involved with sports casting, they say Gene Oakland's the best that ever did it. Yeah. From his comedic timing, from his... Um, you know, just his voice, his control, you know, his narrating, like he was the best interviewer that there ever was. Yeah, there was never going to be another Mean Gene Oakland. Um, I mean, what he did for the business was just great. Um, like you said, a big part of our childhoods, and it's just it's just sad, man. Like, just 2019 already starting off with the wrestling deaths, and man, going to miss, you know, me, having Mean Gene around. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you're going to want to catch – I did a guest spot on uh, one of our uh, sister shows, uh, Grown Men Watch This Shit, Um, our podcast about indie wrestling. And we did a uh, probably a more in-depth kind of like honorarium to Gene Okerlund. Um, And that's a – that was a really fun show. If you want to hear me talk about everything under the sun except for New Japan, (laughs) we talked about like – Lucha, Indies, UK scene, uh, definitely want to check that out. It's a really, really good year-end review show. So, oh, And that's going to wrap things up for us on this uh, giant Wrestle Kingdom episode. Supersized. Uh, next week we'll be back with a review of the first night of Fantastica Mania. All this news. We're going to have Zach Porter on as well, who was at Wrestle Kingdom Live. First-hand account. He's at the Stardom Shows got his merch it's gonna be dope and so yeah so be sure to check that out make sure you connect with us on social media on twitter the show is at ki strong style i'm at jeremy l donovan um social suplex is at social suplex on facebook we're facebook.com slash social suplex on reddit i am the pro black guy josh is keeping a strong style you can email me jeremy at social suplex.com with any questions or if you want to be a part of social suplex and any questions that uh, we didn't get to this week that were kind of off topic, I will save them for next week. So not to fear, your questions will be answered. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We've got One Nation Radio, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, The Outsider's Edge, Grown Men Watch This Shit, Wilford Watches, and the Omega Luke Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. And, and until, until next time... time should we, should we? What do we say now? Until next time, go ace. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
Asanayo. Adios. Until next time, goodbye. Breathe with keeping it strong style. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, keeping it strong style. Ichiban! Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.